Starting to record today. Don't know why I cry, but I am on today to record this stupid show and to keep it trucking along. As R. Crumb would say, keep on trucking, Dr. Zom. I don't, actually, I don't think he said that, but he said, keep on trucking. And I'm not even sure what that means, you know? had that thing where the guy with the big foot walking with a big foot, you know, I'm thinking anything to do with trucking. I mean, like, you know, but who knows? Our crumb. Um, this is Dr. Zom. I have today off. And again, (laughs) as I say all the time now, um, I had the day off. I'm bored. So I just went to the Groceria store to get some Groceria's. I bought, uh, what did I buy? You know, it's one of those days where, like the other day, I went to um, buy some of my baby spinach. You know, they had that movie Baby Driver. Well, I my title of my movie is going to be Baby Spinach Pooper. Um, it does uh, keep everything going. I think it makes me really strong. Like, I saw this guy in, like, a kind of a sailor's outfit out in my front yard with a big black beard grabbing a hold of my uh, skinny girlfriend's arm. So I went outside, and, I, and and he, like, pummeled me. I mean, he throttled me. You know, he throttled and pummeled. And then I went in, and I took my I, – I thought, you know what? You know, zoinks. I better go inside and do something to boot this. So I went inside, and I got out – my baby spinach, and I grabbed a big handful, and I was just like, holy shit, this stuff is like fucking, whoa. And holy shit, I wreaked havoc down on him with, with uh, what do you call it, the uh, um, uh, f- uh, righteous anger and furious, uh, what is it, righteous anger and furious, oh no, furious anger and something. Anyway, like Samuel L. Jackson in that movie about uh, a watch. So anyway, I'm here um, again, uh, don't mean to repeat myself. I don't mean to, daddy-o, but um, this may be a short one, 
it may be a long one because sometimes I get on a tear and I tear them up. You know, man, when I get in there, I swirl around. I tear it up. I get the groove going. Um, sometimes, you know, you can't just have the standard, you know, just pound, 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 pound. You got to swirl. Uh, believe me when I tell you that. Swirl. Um, I understand that um, there may have been some skullduggery going on at the GGTMC. Skullduggery. Um, some, some, somebody uh, got the, the uh, what do they call it? Um, okay, Thor became unworthy and then he became Thor Odin's son. And he's got this like black arm because somehow he got his arm cut off. And he's got this black arm, which is like a magical arm, but he doesn't have Mjolnir. And the only way, you know, when I was a kid and I would see MJ N O I R, I, you know, I had no idea how to pronounce that, but, you know, being a cowboy western uh, movie fan, you know, I just think, you know, mule near like Festus rode a mule instead of a horse on Gunsmoke who was Ken Curtis and Ken Curtis was also you know he played Festus on that show for so long that people started thinking you know hey that's you know Festus they think that that's him and he wore like a that costume and he would even go on TV shows and sing in the Festus costume like a drifting along with the tumbling tumbleweed uh, which they played in Big Lebowski but um, he wasn't Festus <laughs> and, the, and the funny thing is if you saw him in like um, uh, she wore a yellow ribbon and I think he was in the searchers he was the one in the searchers that when um uh, Captain Christopher Pike from Star Trek, uh, who was John Wayne's, was this like his nephew or something like that, that rode with John Wayne, uh, Jeffrey Hunter, uh, uh, Teenage Jesus. Um, he was the guy when he found out that Jeffrey Hunter got um, this um, Indian chick, or First Nations, Native American, I hate to say Indian chick, this um, wasn't like Mahatma Gandhi's, one of his women or whatever. Um, he found out that uh, they they uh, that Jeffrey Hunter didn't even know it, but because he did something with uh, uh, what uh, you know, quote unquote, I'm doing the quote fingers, baby, not the Baron von Raschke claw hold, um, but two the quote fingers, which could be like the mandible claw on two people. Um, he did something with a quote unquote squaw. And he just thought it was uh, like a, they were doing like a, a, some kind of ceremony, but they were actually marrying him. The elders were marrying him to this uh, Native American lady, and he didn't even know it. And um, so he had to explain to um, this girl that he was in love with that he was now married to a squaw. And Ken Curtis, who played Festus on Gunsmoke, actually was uh, in that scene, and he's the guy that is, if you're familiar with the movie, that just starts horse laughing at uh, Jeffrey Hunter and saying, Ha, 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 murdered an Indian squaw! Ha, ha! So anyway, uh, Ken Curtis is not Festus, Jeffrey Hunter was not Teen Jesus, nor was he Festus. But the, the point of that whole uh, soliloquy 
was that uh, Ken Curtis, you know, everybody knew him for 20-plus years as Festus. But if you watch him in some of the old westerns, I mean, he was actually a good-looking guy, and he could actually sing. So it was kind of cool. You know, I don't know. I like to bring these little facts. I'm an old-timer, so some of these some of these old-timey movie and TV facts might not mean a lot to, to some of you, but I try and, uh, what do you call it, make it colorful. you got to color it up. Uh, you got to be entertaining in this business. If you want to make the big money, but somebody um, with Thor, <laughs> how this shit, it like fucking comes around, you know, I started the merry-go-round with Festus and then I, and then something got in the way with teen Jesus and then, but it came back around to Thor, Odin's son, he's got this black arm. And he doesn't have Mjolnir, and Mjolnir is how I got to Ken Curtis on Gunsmoke, because Festus rode a mule instead of a horse, to say M-J-I-N-O-R, or however the fuck you spell that. He said in the movie it's Mjolnir, so I say mule and near. There's a mule, whatever. That's how I remember how to say that. Natalie Portman sucks. Um, let me tell you something, Kat Dennings, people said she was annoying in the first Thor, but I will tell you this, uh, Natalie Portman is not a a very good actress in IMO, in my opinion. She's very cute, uh, she has a nice butt, because, you know, when she was in Closer with, um, I was gonna say George Clooney, but it was Clive Owen and Julia Roberts, and, uh, what's that guy's name with the receding hairline that never recedes any further, than um, than it already is. His name is he was in Sky Captain. What's that guy's name? I like him too. Uh, and he was in Road to Perdition. He was the photographer. Well, let's see what his name is here. I'm I'm imdb.com. That's what that is. It's not you and McGregor. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, Jude Law. Yeah, how the hell could I not remember that? I wanted to say Ewan McGregor, but it was Jude Law. And um, i got to wait for the merry-go-round to come back around because now I can't even remember why I brought up Jude Law other than the fact that Jude Law was in a movie. <laughs> okay, people. So, anyway, you got Mjolnir, you got Thor, you got Natalie Portman. He was in Closer with Clive Owen, Julia Roberts, Natalie Portman, Jude Law. Okay, Natalie Portman's not that great of an actress. She's okay, but she, really, she's not that great. She kind of has that Audrey Hepburn look, which she got. She gets by on that look. Uh, but Kat Dennings has bigger boobs and was more fun and entertaining. Some people might think she was annoying, but I don't think she was annoying in that. So anyway, and she's on that show. Well, it just went off the air about the uh, two broke girls. And holy shit, you know when you get the uh, amalgamation of, say... Um, uh, as sexually something that's appealing to the eye when you have like a, I think that's why like a lot of guys like uh, unless you're like in the KKK and then they probably still like it too like if you have like a an African American man and then a white bread uh, uh, blonde haired woman it's, it's, it's like the contrast it's a visual contrast and Kat Dennings in that show is kind of the mouthy kind of uh, 
big boobied, uh, dark hair. Uh, she's kind of pale skin. I don't know. If, I don't think she's goth, but she has the dark hair, big red lips. You know, she always has big red lips. And then they have this tall drink of water who doesn't have the big boobs, but has legs down. You know, from fucking the ceiling down to the floor. And uh, so that's kind of like that deal there. You know, you got you got the contrast. You got the contrast in the milf videos. You got to have like the um, the uh, the uh, uh, older milf slash cougar with a young guy or with a hot young chick and the milf has to have big boobs and then the young if it's a young chick like in a lesbian scene they have to have like small boobs and look younger and the guy has to be like a young dude you know with a great big old dick (laughs) so anyway you got thor he's got a fucking black arm you got mjolnir and he can't carry the fucking goddamn hammer anymore named mjolnir uh because he's unworthy right so what happens is he has this goddamn fucking axe. Now I don't know what the hell that thing's name is. It might be like fucking sheep uh far away or something. But anyway, he's got that fucking axe. Um now I have to go on the merry-go-round one more time and try and remember why I fucking was even talking about um Festus and Mjolnir and Natalie Portman, Jude Law the goddamn hammer, the goddamn unworthiness of the, and the axe. But so let's move on. <laughs> I can't remember. No crack cocaine or crystal meth is used during the making of the show. But there's about a gallon of peppermint iced tea. Um trying to keep the voice in lubrication with the the uh the inter- intestinal fortitude uh, that I use to perform. We had um, I, I I left little notes through IMDb. Now I did not watch the four hundred blows or le quarta or le quarta sans uh, coup uh, from nineteen fifty nine, uh, the Francis uh, Truffaut written and directed movie. That stars uh, Jean-Pierre Laud, Albert Ramey, and uh, Claire Moret. I did not watch that. It rates at 8.1. But the reason that I put in the 400 blows on my IMDb to keep this fucking uh, colossal manic freight train rolling is to remind me that Silva and Gold... Um, has a celebration to um, like a milestone or something and that is we celebrated 400 members 400 miners 400 members of the silver and gold facebook group i take a knee and raise my fist um in someone's uh, anus um in celebration, can't remember what that. There's a there's a uh, milf that I have watched. Uh, she's like some kind of like either German or French uh, milf that um, does that kind of thing. I don't watch those videos, but I know uh, I'm I'm aware of of her. Uh, but I can't remember her name right now. It's kind of a weird thing to bring up on a show like this, a respectable show called Silva and Gold. Uh, but we have 400 members now. I don't know what that means because considering that we have 400 members and there's probably, I would say, 
oh, I think it would be pushing it to say 10 that actually fucking, uh, uh, what do you call it when you participate on in in something um on um imdb right now uh you can get neutrogena the number one dermatologist recommended uh what is this like some kind of cream rapid wrinkle repair visible results in one week i was just thinking i wonder what would happen like if if uh if Thor, he's got that black arm and he put it on his arm and he just kept putting it on there, would Ulick the uh, troll be able to notice, like, would it would it take some of that off there, some of that blackness and some of the wrinkly, wrinkly wrinkles? Uh, or Kat Denning could, is it, I don't know if it's Denning or Dennings, but if she did take this rapid wrinkle repair, uh, with visible results in one week, and just massaged it into her, her breasts, uh, her big like milky breasts, or the girl that's on that show and Natalie Portman could both get their hands covered in that and rub it on Kat Dennings, uh, um, boobers. So you have Ken Curtis, Jeffrey Hunter, um, um, you have Jude Law, uh, Clive Owen. Julia Roberts and uh, Kat Dennings, um, what's her face, Natalie Portman, and the long-legged chick from Two Broke Sisters, along with Dan Aykroyd uh, dressed like a policeman doing a porno, and it's called 400 Blows, which I did not watch. So anyway, the 400 Blows thing was just a uh, kind of a reminder to. So and, and it's also a reminder to check out that movie. I need to give that one a watch. Um, I have seen the. Um, the box art for it uh, a lot a bunch of times a bunch is a an american uh form of measurement let me have another drink daddy got to keep it styling and profiling but that neutrogena might put some on my ball sack probably not it would probably be one of those things like when you're a little kid and you you start getting horny and you think okay anything that i rub on my on my uh, private parts, it might feel good. So you get like some Ben Gay that your parents have in the cupboard and rub it on there, and then you wish that you were dead because you feel like Johnny Storm that went through the um, cosmic field and got bombarded by cosmic rays, but only in the the groin. And um, yeah, believe me, flame on, Daddy. Let's see. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Now that Neutrogena, they're really pushing that shit because it comes up again on the next movie, which is uh, from 1962, The Birdman of Alcatraz. And that was directed by John Frankenheimer and Charles Crichton got an uncredited, I don't know if he was second unit director or something like that on that one. Uh, it was from the book um, Birdman of Alcatraz by Thomas E. Gaddis and uh, written uh, the screenplay by Guy or Guy. See, you never know. If it's French, it's Guy. If it's uh, Anglaise, it's usually Guy. Uh, Trosper or Trosper. So it's either Guy Trosper or Guy Trosper. <laughs> it stars two of my favorites, uh, Burt Lancaster and Carl Malden. Um and also has Telly Savalas in it when he's still um, sort of, you know, he he had the uh, horseshoe hair cut. He was still bald on top, but he was getting the uh, the um, uh, just the hair on the sides. And he is, um, this is the story of um, 
Robert Stroud, and he was an actual you know person uh, who was who uh, went to prison because he was kind of a you know one of those uh, young um, souls that was kind of. Uh, in turmoil and uh, had went through some probably some pretty shitty stuff growing up and uh, he turned kind of bad you know uh, I can't forget that day I shot that bad bitch down that was uh, what was that song it was Johnny Cash Uh, I think it was the song Delia I went up to Memphis and I met Delia there Found her in her corner, and I tied her to her chair. Delia's gone, one more round, Delia's gone. No, that bad bitch down was uh, Cocaine Blues. Uh, that was in the, the, the Johnny Cash song, Cocaine Blues, which you would see in, I think he performs that, well, he doesn't perform it, but that um, one dude... <laughs> oh, what a, why do I always want to say Casey Affleck? You know, um, that is, um, what's his name? Joaquin Phoenix in the, um, in the movie, I Walk the Line. Uh, I think he does that. And it's on, um, I believe it's on Live from Folsom Prison. Uh, we had the Live from San Quentin Johnny Cash album growing up. And, uh, Live from Folsom Prison is also, I mean, that's like two back to back. You gotta have both of those. But, um, anyway, uh, Robert Stroud kind of went, went kind of bad, you know, um, that's a Merle Haggard, but Mama Tried, uh, song, and, uh, it kind of reminds me of that, and he went to prison, and then, you know, how back in the day, you know, probably today, these days, too, you see it in all these movies, uh, um, prison movies, it's kind of a standard thing where, you know, you have some guards that are fucking, uh, uh, you know, kind of assholes that, uh, maybe they're a little bit sadistic, uh, maybe they get that way because of all the shit they have to deal with being prison guards. But he gets into it with a prison guard, and he kills the prison guard. So then he gets like uh, put on death row and all this shit, and uh, life in prison and death row and all this. But anyway, uh, this is a really good movie. Um, it just Frankenheimer is uh, well. I mean, I have like you know, you always have like more than one favorite director i think probably sydney lamette might be might be my number one frankenheimer um what's the hell some of these other motherfuckers (laughs) oh but you got some other ones too and i like that (laughs) john ford you know if i go way back i like john ford movies um ah, there's a lot of a lot of guys what's that fucking guy that did cruising that i watch all the time um yeah like him too um, you know, I, I, like I said, it's it's hard to narrow down just one guy. But when when I immediately think of my favorite directors, Lamette and Frankenheimer come up, and and just what, looking at this 1962, and you know, you think uh, you know Frankenheimer went back a long, you know, a good long ways, and uh, um, so I like to watch. He's one of those guys that uh, dig it. Um. I like to kind of go back and get on IMDb, look at all the stuff that he has done. Same with Lamette, uh, and try and seek out uh, movies that I have not seen that they did. Uh, Carl Malden and Burt Lancaster both are just fucking fantastic actors. Love seeing them together. Uh, Malden, you know, with Brando and uh, um, 
on the waterfront. It's one of my favorite movies. Tully Savalas, you know, he got into the kind of uh, that 70s uh, movie star, but like um, almost just like 70s celebrity kind of a thing. With I think James Coburn sort of got into that too. Coburn never, as far as I remember, did TV. But, um, you know, they were the kind of guys that were that were always um, known for being kind of swinging singles guys that would show up on Laugh-In or Sonny and Cher or, or you know, different different variety TV shows like or talk shows like Dinosaur, Mike Douglas, Merv Griffin. Uh, but Telly was kind of like that. But, you know, um, he's another one. Um, I I actually want to now that I mention it I need to make a little note for myself uh, to uh, get on my IMDB and, and look up some uh, Telly Savala stuff because he did a lot of um, kind of uh, forgettable uh, movies probably TV movies because uh, he was on Kojak a lot but uh, did some TV stuff but also some uh, Italian um, Euro stuff and also just uh, 70s kind of trashy action uh, uh, movies that, like I said, are really forgettable, but I still would like to go back and seek them out because um, the one that I found not that long ago about the guys, the mercenaries doing the diamond heist um, with uh, Telly uh, Savalas was sort of, I don't know if I would want to say, well, yeah, he was a heel for sure, but it was, um, where is that one at? Him and Peter Fonda were in it, and the guy that played um, Wyatt Earp on TV, the the Diamond Mercenaries is is uh, one of the names, but it was called something else, I can't remember what it is, uh, Killer Force. Uh, that one was one I found on YouTube, and it's like, uh, I think they put a Blu-ray version of it out, never had even heard of it, and they have what I believe is uh, uh, you know a video uh, of the Blu-ray cut of that on YouTube, and that's another one I said a few weeks ago. You know, check that one out. I loved it. I thought it was great. Uh, that one stars Peter Fonda. Hugh O'Brien is the one that played um, uh, Wyatt Earp on TV, and uh, O.J. Simpson's in that one too, and Maude Adams, who was you know she was one of those at one time in the '70s that was. Uh, almost sort of like a Sharon Stone, because um, she was known for like she would take her take her uh, her clothes off in movies like the uh, movie Tattoo with Bruce Dern, and so she was known for being very beautiful, and she would get a lot of roles. But she like uh, also another person that I sort of compare her to is Barbara C- Carrera, Barbara C- C- Carrera. <laughs> My God, she was so hot that I stuttered. But but just looking at my IMDb here, and again using it as a as a tool, I need to make a little note here. I want to watch Firepower with James Coburn, and I forgot. Fire Power. That's how you say it in French. Oh, Ferret Power. <laughs> okay, and I'm not going to watch Hambone. I don't know what that is, but I'm going to look it up. Hambone. What is Hambone? Hambone and Hilly. Okay, maybe I will watch this. This sounds like something that Emily from Deadly Dolls would like. Uh, a dog, Hambone, treks from New York City to Los Angeles to be reunited with his owner, Hilly, meeting a host of helpers along the way. Or uh, Cinemascus Justin Oberholzer might like this one. Uh, this stars uh, Lillian Gish. I mean, eh, Jesus, she was like a pretty, pretty uh, uh, top-notch actress uh, from way back. And uh, Candy Clark and O.J. Simpson. How about that? And let's see, Robert Walker Jr. I liked him. Um, he was a good actor. He was on. Um, 
oh, uh, the Big Valley a lot. His dad was Robert Walker. That was, uh, I think, it was a Strangers on on a Train, or um, and um, he died very young. But Jack Carter, Alan Hale Jr., the skipper from uh, uh, Gilligan's Island, Timothy Bottoms, like Timothy Bottoms, he's he's was uh, somebody that like was around for a while and just kind of. How oh, after was it he last picture show? Uh, yeah, last picture show, and uh, Johnny uh, got his gun and stuff like that. But he's one of the one of these ones that I thought he was really good for a time, and then he just kind of kind of disappeared. Uh, but it looks like I mean he works a lot. I mean he's still working. Um, he's got a lot of stuff on his IMDb. But I really liked him. Uh, there were a few of those bottoms boys. Uh, and I'm not talking about um, cruising again, Friedkin movie. Um, let me look here for a moment. Uh, bear with me, people, because I get them confused, confused. And uh, I was thinking the, uh, the movie, uh, the Paper Chase, which I really loved. Yes, uh, he was in Paper Chase. But uh, his one of his brothers was uh, in uh, Apocalypse Now. There was Joseph, Timothy, and fuck, can't remember the other ones. But one of them died pretty young. Or maybe not young, but um, passed away. Let's see. Timothy, yada, yada. He has four actor siblings, and of course they won't name them here. <laughs> they, they're leaving me. Hung, you know, what, you, what do you call it when you get hung out to dry, baby, by IMDb? But anyway, it uh, did help me remember firepower and 400 blows. So I'm going to write that down too, 400 blows. 400 blows, starring Thor... Jeffrey Hunter and uh, Kat Dennings, yes. Uh, but anyway, also in that in that movie or that movie, um, Hilly and uh, what is it called? Hambone and Hilly. This must be a light uh, a light affair or a, a sort of a comedy. If it's got the skipper from fucking uh, uh, Gilligan's Island, in it. but you know what would be cool is if the skipper was in this and he was a fucking bad motherfucker, like like a uh, a child predator or something like that, or a rapist. And then uh, also you have Paul's, Paul Coslow in this, who I always liked, and who did not really care for uh, Charles Bronson. He said he was always, you know, got to work in these, uh, you know, got to work with uh, Charles Bronson, but he said Charles Bronson was kind of a dick. Yes. And he uh, was in uh, Jokey, too. But he was the guy that uh, Mr. Majestic bashed in the nuts with the, the butt of a 12-gauge fucking pump-action shotgun. Okay, let's move on here, Daddy-O. Um... Next thing I watched, I did not watch this, but of course, you know, when I played some sound effects, I just, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't have a super amount of content for the show, <laughs> so I'm just trying to bring up any and everything I can. Um, when I was talking about the spinach, when I went outside and throttled uh, Bluto out in the uh, front yard when he was uh, mes- mesking with my uh, mesking with my uh, my lady. Uh, olive oil um i was reminded and i need to check this oot uh loaf uh kind of brought this up. i just found a clip i didn't even know what it was for or what it was from but it was all uh ultra 7x and this was uh i guess they have a new series out uh i think it's like ultraman maybe but then they have like a whole like a whole team ultra 7x and see i never watched uh ultraman i kind of sort of remember seeing it but i think that like the uh, jet jaguar in uh the fucking uh, godzilla movies was a rip off of ultraman oh dig it um but this uh is something that i kind of want to take a look at because somebody posted a clip and it just looked it looked like a 
um, a cross between like Pacific Rim, Godzilla, and um, oh, I don't know, uh, fucking just some crazy ass shit. Um, Ultra Seven X or Uratura uh, Sibun X um, is a sci-fi TV series started in it says 2007, but I thought that what the thing I clicked on was from 2017. I thought it was a movie, but this uh, stars uh, Riku Yoza, uh, Saki Kagami, and Tohohito Wakaziaki. And um, this looks like something that's right up my alley. Lots of uh, monsters and uh, shit that doesn't make sense, but lots of cool sound effects and uh, people in big old costumes fighting. I like that. I dig it. Um, but that that will uh, prompt me to bring up something now, but I, I have it on my list, so I'm going to stay, stay um, focused and in order of what I want to talk about. Um, I cannot remember if I talked about this last time, so bear with me if I did, because I think I might have some more to say, because I watched it actually a second time. (laughs) That was sound effect from Ultra 7X. Um, And it was 2017's Baby Driver, and this was written and directed by Edgar Wright. Uh, It stars Ansel Elgort. Uh, John Bernthal, which he's, you know, it says it stars him, but he's not in it that much. Uh, he's good when he's in it, even though he's like, um, you know, I, I probably have said this before, but that dude, you know, I liked him as the Punisher, and I saw him in, um, can't remember the name of the TV show. There was a TV show where it um, uh, had to do with um, uh, Bugsy Siegel uh, out in, when he went to Los Angeles. Um, and let me look it up because I don't want to leave you all hanging if you know what I'm saying. Uh, Bernthal, Burn, Bernthal. Well, son of a bitch, where the hell's he at? You can't spell fucking. There can't be too many goddamn actors with Burn John. Maybe it's spelled with. Okay, what the hell? Okay, it's J O N. What a dork, J O N asshole. There he is. Okay, so anyway, and I'm not afraid of him because what I was going to say was I saw him uh, at Whorehound and he probably walked within uh, 12 inches of me. Like He was like one dick length away from me. Um, well, you know, with me because um, I am Zom uh, and eat spinach. Um, but he's like wee little. You know, I saw him in The Punisher and he was like badass and everything. And uh, Sicario, he was kind of a dick in that. He was like a fucking rapist and and uh, and a uh, like a, a a bad cop. I can't. I hate those fuckers. I like to fucking bash their faces in. Um, but he seems. Uh, Mob City was the show that I watched. He was in Mob City. He was he was the star of the show. And um, of course, like you know, he's out in um, like Hollywood or uh, Los Angeles, and he would be like um, uh, the movie with uh, Mulholland Falls. He was like one of those cops. Uh, uh, um, at that time, the you know L.A. Police Department was you know there were a certain amount of them. Well, and like in L.A. Confidential, sort of the same thing. You had uh, corruption in the L.A. Police Department, but you also had cops there that because all these gangsters like Mickey Cohen, uh, Bugsy Siegel, and these guys uh, showed up out there um, and started doing their mafia shit, 
the cops kind of they had like their 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 uh, goon squad and they were allowed to kind of do whatever the fuck needed to be done uh, same thing with the movie with Ryan Gosling and Sean Penn um, um, Gangster Squad I think is what that one's called and I said I said I'm trying to think if I said Bugsy Siegel I think it might be Mickey Cohen is the uh, is the bad guy in this I, for some reason I wanted to say Bugsy Siegel it was Ed Byrne plays uh let me look him up here yeah it's uh yeah it is bugsy siegel but you have like those different um those different um uh old uh legendary gangsters in this it's sort of based on it on uh on real people um but that was a pretty good show it only i think it only went one season but bernthal was uh the main cop main cop guy and it was he was pretty good at it like I said, he's a little dude, man. I swear to God, if he weighs 150 pounds, and he had a he had a big beard, uh, and like wore like a like a truck driver hat, and I think Ken and Justin were like, "Oh, that's John Bernthal right there." And I had you know just seen him in The Punisher because they the, the at Horrorhound they had all, a bunch of people. They had the guy that played Foggy Nelson, and I'm trying to think who else there from um, uh, Daredevil, and. Um, like Foggy Nelson walked right beside of us too, and he just looks like some guy that we would hang out with at Horror Hound. And he just seemed—we we didn't even say anything to him, but when he walked by, he was just like, you know, kind of gives like, "Hey, hey, guys," you know. <laughs> so he seemed like a kind of a cool guy. Bernthal seemed pretty cool too, but I did not even know it was him because he's so little and he had that beard. And I was thinking—I'm—I tr- was wanting to look. Uh, Baby Driver was shot. Uh, 2000. Well, it came out in 2017, but it was obviously shot before that. Um, so I'm wondering if that was what he was had just come off, or what he was working on at that time. Because at first I didn't even know it was him, because he had like a fucking bushy beard and a and a truck driver hat. So anyway, uh, Bernthal. Okay. Well, I watched um I watched Baby Driver. Okay. Now I had heard a lot about this movie and uh, i know loaf really liked it and there were several people that really liked it um and said hey check this out you know and i kept waiting and waiting and waiting to rent it because i thought you know okay i don't want to pay full price without ever seeing it um and it's it's just like john wick 2 on itunes now maybe maybe they have it for rent on like amazon but uh maybe they're starting to have some kind of special deal or something where they don't put it out to rent uh, but John Wick 2 and Baby Driver, I kept watching and watching and watching for because I just wanted to rent them. And um, it seems like like probably now they're still just for sale. And it was like 19 bucks, and I'm like, I'm not going to do that. So I waited and waited, and then finally I decided, um, you know what, instead of getting the high def, I'm just going to watch it on my iPad anyway. I will go ahead and buy it and get it on um, um, iTunes uh, standard definition for fourteen ninety nine, which I I I'm okay with that because I I now I I I, <laughs> I watched it twice, so you know I got my money's worth, and I'll probably watch it again. Um, I like of course the driving because it's um I don't know if they used any CGI you know in it like Fast and the Furious. I think it from what I even I think I read. Uh, the the better part of it, if not all of the driving, was um, real, you know, professional driving. Uh, a lot of drifting and stuff like that, um, and some cool car stunts. Um, now, okay, so I like that, and 
the characters are you know kind of over the top and and stuff like that i liked um uh scott pilgrim and i think edgar wright is the one that did scott pilgrim um some people did not like that one at all i've i've watched that several times and and kind of you know i like it i like the uh moo uh mary elizabeth winstead and i just i thought that one was fun it was a lot of fun um but this one is also fun um i think that i have heard some people say that um the first part of it they didn't like as much but then once it got really going that you know the second half of it just really took off and they really liked that um I know sort of what they were going for uh, with this uh, Ansel Elgort. I'd never have heard of that motherfucker, and that's a strange name. So, you know, if I, believe me, I would have known if I had heard of Ansel. What's this fucker's name? Ansel. (laughs) I just want to see what else he's in. I'm sure he's in some show that I fucking... Okay, Divergent. I actually did watch, I think, uh, Insurgent and Divergent, and I was not uh, uh, impressed with either. Well, I mean, you know... eh. I really wasn't into it and didn't maybe I, I think I yeah the first one I gave a chance to and the second one I'm like what's this oh they made a sequel to that um, but he's all right um, the the thing is at the beginning uh, they're doing the, they're playing off of the you know him listening to the to the uh, um, um, iPod all the time. Uh, listening to music all the time because he has tinnitus in his ears, so he he listens to that sort of like a almost like a savant as far as driving goes. Uh, but at the beginning, man, I was like, man, this is douchey as hell. This guy is a fucking douche. Um, he's walking around, he's dancing, and I lo- and and you know it was kind of cute how they did like some of the stuff, like some of the words in the song, like as he's dancing and walking along the street, like uh, on the on the um, um, street signs or on like uh, telephone poles or on the wall or something like that. There would be some kind of cool thing, you know, that he would either match up with as far as trying to look like a mural or um, uh, certain song words in the song would appear, you know, on a sign or something. But he was a douche. Um, even when, especially, oh my God, when he went uh, back to his apartment and he lives with... Um, he, I guess he said it was like his foster father. I don't know how the fuck he got a foster father that was some, you know, blind old African American guy. Uh, but um, was he blind? No, he wasn't blind because he could see, he could do sign language. That would become difficult to, to fucking do sign language to somebody who's blind. But he couldn't, he couldn't speak, and I don't think he could hear. Uh, he had to, yeah, he couldn't hear because he had to put his hand on the speaker to feel the vibration to know what this goddamn douche baby was dancing around and acting like a fucking oh my god just a fucking huge nerdy douche um and when i say huge i don't mean like fucking arnold schwarzenegger i'm just like uh, that was the level of doucheness uh with him dancing around and stuff but it works because um i like the innocent kind of love uh that he discovers and that 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 happens between him and um deborah who works at see i fucking remember that d e b o r a h because the other the thing in the song was d e b r a how the fuck do you remember this shit um but anyway i i like the colorful cast of characters that they would have on each crew 
that uh, performed the robberies. And then when you started getting, it's kind of like with uh, Spacey, even though he was a dick, Kevin Spacey's in this, even though he was a dick, uh, he was sort of um, almost kind of like a a surrogate father slash Obi-Wan Kenobi to Baby. And Baby feared him. He would threaten Baby not personally he like well he did i think he did say something about like breaking his legs or something having somebody do this or that but it was mostly he would say you know i you know you know we can i can do things to you to make you unhappy like you know do stuff to people that you care about uh but he i think he took baby under his wing and he used all of his influence because he's a criminal and that's how he does things and only what he knows but it proves out that i i don't know if baby and deborah kind of win him over in a in a way that he had long since forgotten you know so it's kind of got those like kind of nice uh cute things like that but um john ham jamie fox um and Berenthal is kind of like a dick. Well, he is a dick, but not too bad. But they all, because when they first meet Baby, they don't understand him, and they kind of have to kind of fuck with him a little bit, especially Berenthal and Jamie Foxx. Now, you also have Flea in this from Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, as No-Nose something, and uh, that he he just has a little cameo, but it was pretty funny. I like Flea. He's he's a, I know Loaf doesn't like it. I don't know if Loaf doesn't like Anthony Kiedis, but he, he fucking uh, is not a fan of his singing, I believe is how you would say it. But Buddy and Darling and um, and uh, what the hell's uh, Bats, uh, who's Jamie Foxx, Buddy is John Hamm, and uh, Aisa Gonzalez uh, plays uh, uh, Darling, and she's she's pretty hot. Uh, Deborah, I, I put an H on the end of her name, but it's D-E-B-O-R-A instead of D-B, uh, D-E-B-R-A um, or whatever. And that's Lily James. I don't know any of these young people, but she was very cute. It's the kind of person that if she worked in a, uh, you know, coffee shop or a, a diner that, you know, she's, yeah, you would fall for her. And uh, I would probably dance around like a douche, too. Um, I don't know if I would dance around like that on the street, though. Baby's kind of a douche. Um, but he can drive, so that's cool. I do like the one scene where Jamie Foxx is about to do something because he's just a jerk and you want to see him get his comeuppance, and he starts to do something, and Baby stops him. I mean, Baby fucking stops him and gives him a look like, you know, this ain't going to happen. He got Hulk strength real quick, uh, and Jamie Foxx was kind of like, okay, motherfucker, we'll see how you do motherfucker. You know, and I don't really like Jamie Foxx, but he was good in this because he's supposed to be a dick. John Hamm, um, I love John Hamm. I have, like, a man crush on John Hamm. Um, and he is awesome in this. Uh, and I expected more that the Jamie Foxx character would end up doing what John Hamm's character does. Uh, but, you know, as Darlin said, you don't want to see my man when he gets fucking pissed off. 
<laughs> so that was good. You know, it's fucking. I like that part. I like you. Know. Oh, so anyway, um, I recommend Baby Driver. Like I said, it's it, it, you get there at the beginning, you're gonna be like, man, this fucking baby's a douche. But uh, it's it pays off. It's worth it. Okay, next thing I watched is uh, let me look at this clock thing because, like I said, I didn't have anything to talk about. And I'm almost already almost an hour into it and have covered nothing. Um, <laughs> let me let me drink. Let me drink. I'm not being funny. Need to tone it down, reel it in, calm down. Um, I watched Anna Lily Amipur, written and directed movie from 2016 called The Bad Batch. Okay, The Bad Batch is on Netflix Instant Watch. Okay, and I had seen the trailer for this a long time ago, and the only thing I remember about it was that Jason Momoa was in it, and he looked like he plays a bad motherfucker, and something about a girl that only had one arm and one leg. Um, so, I thought, well, what the fuck, you know, it's free to download this to the old iPad and take give her a peek. After I watched it, I read some stuff about it and read some reviews. <laughs> now, uh, there were some bad reviews, and there were some bad reviews. This is kind of a... I don't know. Uh, the word pretentious came up a lot in the reviews. Um, the, the lead in this, the, the girl is um, Suki Waterhouse. And um, it also stars Keanu Reeves. And Jim Carrey is in it. And he has a fairly decent-sized part, but he was not credited in the... Now, on IMDb he is, but I guess they said he was he went, he went was not credited. Giovanni Ribisi's in this, and he plays a douche, which he plays in just about every fucking movie he's in. Um... I thought a couple of times I have seen him that he sort of redeemed himself, but he fall, fell right back into the annoying as hell douche in this movie. The word of the day is douche. Um, but it's kind of a dystopian future. Um, Suki Waterhouse, who plays uh, Arlen, um, gets out of prison and in this prison it's out right on the edge of the desert and uh, when they let you out they just say okay have at it um, I think they gave her a jug of water and that was it so she goes walking out into the desert and stumbles upon this um, group of people that are sort of like uh, I wanted to say like the hills have eyes but they other than the fact that they kidnap people and and keep them like cows like they they cut off pieces of them but keep them alive and eat the pieces that they cut off everything else is fairly normal as far as like a dystopian future uh they, they <laughs> i just remembered this and this will bring up another thing that i watched uh they sit around and like the dudes sit around and pump iron out in the desert like lift weights and our big like bodybuilders, Jason Momoa's like that too. I guess they're I guess they're alpha males. And then so she gets caught and immediately, I mean, after only like five minutes into the fucking movie, she gets caught and they fucking uh give her some drugs and eat parts of her. 
she looks around and there's people chained up like all over the place like dogs you know when you chain people chain a dog up outside except some of these people have like you know one arm or no legs and you know but they're still alive and they're helpless and then in the same dystopian future you have another place that's sort of like sanctuary in um, logan's run where you go there and it's it's kind of a, a nicer place out in the middle of the desert where uh, they have a giant uh, boom box that um, has neon lights on it and a DJ that gets up there and plays this music and they pass out uh, what I think maybe, I don't know if they're psychedelic drugs or ecstasy or what. And um, Keanu Reeves is kind of the Hugh Hefner, a cross between Hugh Hefner and Tony Clifton, the Andy Kaufman uh, uh, I guess character he looks like fucking Tony Clifton but he's sort of like a Hugh Hefner kind of a guy and he's like you know come you know stay with us and blah 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 uh, and she kind of gets confused she wants to go out and get revenge uh, and to do that she has to have a, a fake leg and I think she ever had a fake arm I think she says a, she has the fake leg so she can walk um uh, but she also uh, dons a pair of smiley face uh, yellow shorts, which they constantly kind of put it right on the butt. Um, but then she goes out to get revenge on Momoa, and she wants to kill that motherfucker. And uh, But things get real confusing and real weird. Um, I don't know if I understand this movie or not. Um, it's kind of stupid. Um... I don't know if it's worth watching or not. Like I said, it's 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 kind of more down the middle. I think there's more there than just, you know, a shitty movie. Because <laughs> uh, they're going for something, and I need to kind of, you know, maybe decipher what they were trying to go for, or maybe it's one of those ones that they're just trying to make you think. Um, but Keanu's kind of shitty. You know, he's not very good in it. He looks like shit. He's real pale and has Tony Clifton hair and a mustache and sunglasses. So that's kind of interesting and kind of fun. Jim Carrey just gets on my nerves because, first of all, he's gone going through this public transformation. I don't know, you know, what he's trying to do. If it's like some kind of performance art, you know, he he was the manic, uh, almost like Robin Williams, like manic uh, cocaine contorted face, always hamming it up, always. Uh, making faces, doing weird things with his arms and shit like that. He was always on. And now all of a sudden, nothing means nothing. We're all just dust. It's just sand. It's like, go fuck yourself, Jim Carrey. You know, give me a break. You fucked uh, Jenny McCarthy and started putting out all that anti-vaccination shit so people started getting polio and stuff again, which had been eradicated for, you know, how many years and now because of your dumbass. She does have nice titties. Uh, The thing about Jenny McCarthy is still photos um she's hot she's got a fucking hot body she's got you know the fake boobies but she's a blonde you know like uh sex goddess uh kind of uh uh playboy like centerfold kind of a thing but man when she opens that fucking mouth jesus christ she's annoying she and and the thing is she thinks she's funny but because like she's one of these um i don't know if i would call her even a woman comedian but she's like you know even howard stern was telling like she'll she like 
thinks it's funny to fart or something like that and be gross because guys think it's funny. So why can't girls do it? And I'm like, you know, give me a break. It's like, okay, when you're an eight-year-old guy, you know, some of that stuff may seem funny. But when you're a really super hot chick and you're picking your nose and and uh, talking about farting and shitting, that's my fucking domain, bitch. You know, so anyway, I, I just don't, you know, I watched her on some clips from, um, what's that show that Charlie Sheen was on? Two and a Half Men. And she, like I said, she's hot, but, oh man, she annoys the fucking shit out of me. Natalie Portman doesn't have any boobs, and I don't think she's a great actress, but she's real smart. <laughs> she's real smart, and I like her. Oh man, she, you know, closer. She got a nice butt. Um, and the whole, I, I still love the uh, whole, you know, thank you thing and uh, in Closer and her playing with Ky- Clive Owen and driving him nuts. That's awesome. Uh, let's see, I watched, uh, um, yeah, see, this one here just kind of let me down. Uh, 2010, 2010, <laughs> 2017's Goon, The Last of the Enforcers. Now, people, I want you to understand something. It was a few years back when we used to all get together on Gentleman's Guide and did our, uh, you know, year-end top 100 movies or some shit like that. We would all get together on one, one fucking uh, show and talk about what our top, was it top 30 or something like that? And uh, uh, the... the Whatever year goddamn Goon was fucking out, the original Goon, Goon, I'd look it up, 2011, it was my number one movie for the whole fucking year. I could watch that movie over and over. I loved it. I thought it was great. I loved the way that it was shot. It was funny as hell. Fun, funny. I loved Liam Shriver in it. It was like a... I loved the, the, uh, the build-up to the colossal, you know, it was almost like a gladiator fucking movie, but it was funny. Uh, and I'm not a fan of Sean William Scott, so that tells you that uh, I really liked it. Um, he's not quite on a Wahlberg thing, but he was one of those people, that whole Stifler thing really annoyed me after a while. Um, he, was, he wasn't bad in the, uh, in the movie the Rock, with The Rock. The fucking something rundown or something like that. Me, what's that called? Uh, <laughs> the, the the one where the rock, you know, he was in it. <laughs> it wasn't the something. Was it something? The rundown. See, like the Dukes of Hazard. Fuck that. That was bullshit. Bo Duke. He played Bo Duke and Johnny Knoxville. Fuck that shit. Um, what was the goddamn one with him and the rock? Something rundown. The rundown. Yeah. See, I'm not stupid. I'm not stupid. I'm smart. I'm not, like, dumb. Uh, but I did not like him, and I liked uh, him in Goon. Now, okay, he made up for it in Goon, Last of the Enforcers. Not that he was bad or anything. This movie just tries too fucking hard. It really, um, like I said, I thought it would be really good, and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, I love I loved the first one, and I can't wait to see this. And, well, okay, first of all, the first one was directed by Michael uh, Douse or Douse, and it was written by Jay Baruchel and Evan Goldberg. But the second one, okay, I know why this one sucked. Okay, that Jay 
Baruchel played his annoying friend in the first one. Now, apparently, he and this Evan Goldberg wrote uh, the first one. But he fucking wrote and directed the second one. And now I know why it sucked. Because it has everybody in it that was in the first one. Uh, But for some reason, I was like, man, this is just one of those ones that's just trying too hard. And it's it's like uh, Jenny McCarthy trying too hard to be funny. Uh, in a gross way and in a in a kind of a vulgar or gross way and that's how this one was now the first one was sort of like that but it was funny this one was not funny it it missed so i knew there was a reason why it missed and it's that little fucking piece of shit because to be honest with you he was probably one of the parts of the first one that i wish they would have not even had him he was just a fucking uh, douche so he's a douche as a director too and that's why this movie failed um it also has uh, Liev Schreiber in it. They almost kind of had to have Ross Ray. I did not like uh, the way that he was in it. It felt kind of almost forced that he was in it. I did like the guy that played... Um, oh, where's he at? Motherfucker. His name was Anders Kane in the movie Wyatt Russell. I liked him. He played the bad guy, and he was good at it. Kim Coates was in it. He he's the coach, Ronnie Hortens, but um, he didn't really have a lot to do. Like you know, in the first one when he was like, uh, "Glad you're great, you're great, great." Uh, Eliza Elisha uh, Cuthbert is in this, and I did not even know that was her. Uh, who was the girl that played fucking Batgirl in the Batman movie? That was kind of. Uh, Alicia Silverstone she you know it could have been her because she just kind of played a schlubby drunk friend of Eva who is Doug Glatt's girlfriend Um, it just tried too hard and did not hit I did like the like I said the bad guy and I liked the final showdown and that kind of stuff he was good him and his dad because he was such a fucking weirdo like he was a nut and and it was like really like a, a weird nut. <laughs> he was like a Brazilian nut or a, a walnut or I don't know, bag of nuts. He was a nut. Uh, Doug Glatt's just stupid, but um, you know, this guy was fucking like he might murder somebody or something. Um, another little note here that I had to add on for memory, memory shake is uh, that Bernie Casey passed away. Um, so that's kind of sad. Bernie Casey was in just a shitload of stuff when I was growing up. Um, a lot of TV, but a lot of movies, a lot of black exploitation stuff. Um, let's see what Bernie Casey was in. And I'm doing the Sean Connery voice because Bernie Casey was in Never Sh- Never Say Never Again. Uh, he played Felix Leiter, uh, which I was like last uh, ish, uh, issue, last episode. Uh, I was talking about the uh, James Bond comics and really liking uh, the James Bond-based comic, uh, Felix Leiter. And so Bernie Casey plays Felix Leiter in Never Say Never Again. He was uh, in Tom Katz. He was in... What else was he in? Uh, Once Upon a Time When We Were Colored. Um, He was in Under Siege with Stefan Sagol. Another 48 Hours. Um... You know, like I said, TV shows, Hunter, L.A. Law. I'm going to get you, sucker. 
plays John Slade, motherfucker. Um, let's see, Steel Justice, you know, that's a big old Ja Ja TMC, Feverant. Uh, never Say Never again. Let's get back here a little bit where we're into some of this some of this uh, non-television stuff like Police Woman with, oh my god, Angie Dickinson was so hot back then. The Man Who Fell to Earth, uh, Lot Lee, Cornbread, Earl, and me. Uh, we were talking about him the other night, Cleopatra Jones, Black Gun, lots of, uh, lots of, um, uh, Black Exploitation, Boxcar Bertha. That wasn't Black Exploitation, that was Roger Corman, and who directed that son of a bitch? Was that, uh, Martin Scorsese, but David Carradine and uh, Hershey Highway, uh, Barbara Hershey, who uh, inspired the great song that I penned myself, uh, Hershey Highway. Uh, tick, 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 with uh, I think that's Jim Brown and Guns of Magnificent Seven, one of the Magnificent Seven uh, spinoffs. And he was also, as um, a good friend Tim in Korea was reminding me, was also the uh, in the movie Gargoyles. <laughs> I'm not coughing, uh, snickering at that. Uh, we were just we were talking about and uh, uh, Doctor Black and Mister Hyde. Tim, um, uh, Canadian Tim from Korea, <laughs> or who lives in Korea, uh, was was talking to me the other day, and we were talking about Bernie Casey. He wanted me to uh, give a little shout out to Bernie Casey, uh, who was a professional football player in the NFL. One of the one of the one of the ones that, that actually went into movies that was a pretty damn decent actor. Um, but he mentioned uh, Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde, which was a black exploitation of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He played Dr. Henry Pride and he turned into Mr. Hyde, baby. And then uh, he also mentioned Gargoyles, which was a movie that I saw on uh, WBNS Channel 10 at 4 o'clock every day they would show movies, which is where I got my big exposure to Godzilla movies uh, growing up after school. We'd come home, and I think we got home at like 3.15. We, ne- we didn't get off at... at um, if we went to school... I think we got up at 7. Went to school... But it, 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 you would think that school day would end at 3 p.m., but it ended at 3.15. We went an extra 15 minutes every day to make up for, like, snow days that we had missed or something. But, like, when we got home, I think 3.30 match game was on with, uh, that wasn't Gene Rayburn, was it? But anyway, match game. And then after that, uh, on Channel 10 from Columbus, Ohio, uh, they would show movies. Fritz the Night Owl was the host and uh, host of that, host of Chiller Theater. Got to meet him at Whorehound uh, a couple years ago. Nice guy. And uh, Gargoyles was on. Now, that was a made-for-TV movie, but it was still, uh, as far as back then... Now, if I watch it now, of course, it's practical special effects and makeup, and the special effects are pretty shitty, and, you know, the makeups, you know. But but for back then, when I first saw it when I was a kid, I really was like, man, this is cool. You know, gargoyles. And Bernie Casey was the, I think he was the head gargoyle. Um, But uh, Tim was uh, reminding me of those two movies and about Bernie Casey wearing the white uh, contact lenses. So anyway, Bernie Casey, hate to see him go. You know, it just seems like I said, I've said this a million times on the show. uh, The older you get, uh, you know, you just, you start seeing uh, these people from, that you grew up uh, uh, watching you know, pass away, and it's sad, but, you know, that's part of life, uh, he had a, he had a long life, I'm trying to see, I think, did he play for the Rams? 
Let's see what uh, what uh, football team he played for. Oh, you never close your eyes. Yeah, he played for the 49ers and the Rams. And uh, so, I mean, like I said, he was he was a he was a good football player and also a pretty good actor. He could do it all. He could actually act and do uh, the action. Action, and he was in. I uh, played Felix Leiter. <laughs> Ish in the James Bond movie. Never say never. When Sean Connery said, I'll never play James Bond again until they offer me a bunch of money. Which uh, I think Never Say Never was just a remake of Thunderball. Th- somehow the, the studios lost the rights to Thunderball, so it was just kind of out there. And so that was the only movie that a non. Whoever owned the rights to the James Bond franchise. That was the only James Bond story that was kind of out there. Not, I guess maybe the public domain or something. There, there was some kind of a, a, a discrepancy in the uh, who owned the rights to it. So they, they basically, which, you know, Sean Connery was in Thunderball, but it was sort of, you know, pretty much a remake of Thunderball. They just called it Never Stay Never, with Felix Leiter. <laughs> As Bernie Case is Felix Leiter. Uh, next uh, little reminder I have down here is a man who did not play Felix Leiter, but it would be kind of cool if he did. Uh, and that is uh, Guy Pierce turned uh, 50 today. So I kind of wanted to, or not today, but you know, the other day, whatever. Meh. October 5th. Today is the 9th. So we're a little bit behind Guy or Guy. <laughs> Guy per se. Um, Guy Pierce has been around for a while now, and uh, I like his. I like some of his movies. Uh, let's see what we have here. It's some of his now. The one that uh, people keep bringing up. Oh, where the fuck is that? That I need to see because when I ask who, what's your favorite um, Guy Pierce? Uh, what do you call? It? What do you call it? Role. Um, I was asking what the, the favorite Guy Pierce role was, and some people mentioned him playing Felicia in The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and I have never seen that. So I need to write that down. Let me get a little note here. My nose is itching. It's not, it's not a booger like Jenny McCarthy. Uh, it is a hair from the mustache. Uh, my mustache is tickling my nose. Uh, Priscilla Adventures. See, now I'll be able to, to uh, watch this and talk about it on the next show if I can actually write this down without annoying the audience too much. I did Jenny McCarthy. If Guy Pierce had sex with Jenny McCarthy and rubbed anti-wrinkle cream on her fucking top lip, maybe her head would go away. Um, yeah, she would be like an R. Crumb kind of a, R. Crumb kind of a character that he would draw with the... Um, the hot the hot body and actually has no head you know anyway uh i would like to see guy pierce play he plays errol flynn in the movie flynn now it seems to me like that might have been a tv movie but i don't think it is it didn't say it but i i'm interested in errol flynn which in uh, past episodes i kind of went on a binge of watching errol flynn movies so and i like guy pierce so he might be pretty good in that i might have to check that out um, L.A. Confidential, of course, I was talking about the Berenthal uh, TV show that was sort of the same kind of uh, time period. Uh, he played Edmund Exley, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
Edmund, you know, uh, the, as the police chief would always remind him, uh, detectives. Now, you know, he didn't know any detectives that wore glasses. So Edmund would, uh, he would, he wanted to be a detective so bad, and you know, he he would always take his glasses off, even though he couldn't fucking see for shit. Uh, him and Russell Crowe were great in that, and um, Kevin Spacey, who was in Baby Driver, was also great in that. Uh, and uh, what was the other guy's name? The the other guy that was in that. Uh, uh, Rolo Tomasi, he was also good in that. Uh, I haven't seen that one in a long time. I need to give that one a, another look because uh, that one, I, I love that noir kind of. Uh, uh, I love that time period out in L.A. with the with the tough as nails, you know, cops and the and the uh, bad mobsters and the the dames and the femme fatales and um, the one chick that was in in L.A. Confidential. Um, Oh, was it Amber Smith? She was the girl that uh, Russell Crowe goes up to in the car, and she has a bandage on her nose, and um, um, he accuse he thinks that the the guy that's the driver of the uh, limo or whatever the big car is has been abusing this woman, and he hates fucking wow like women beaters like uh, and uh, Russell Crowe was Bud White. That was a great character. Um, so he, the girl's like, you know, it's nothing. She just had a nose job. Um, and that girl, where in the hell's her name? I think it's Amber Smith. She was a model. Man, she was stunning. And she was on uh, one of those celebrity um, uh, rehab shows. And, I mean, my God, this this woman, she was also in uh, The Funeral with uh, Christopher Walken. She was... Uh, the the uh, girlfriend or wife of a mobster that uh, uh, one of Walken's younger brother was fucking, uh, and that was tells that guy that did Buffalo '66. Oi, everybody knows but me. <laughs> oh, oh God, these dogs—they're not even in the house and they drive me crazy. Oh. Vincent Gallo. I uh, didn't even fucking get it. I just put, typed in Buffalo and it came to me. But anyway, um, she was in that and Vincent Gallo's banging the shit out of her uh, in a pretty fucking hot sexy. Well, it wasn't a hot sexy. No, Vincent Gallo wasn't fucking her. His friend was fucking her and Vincent Gallo was just sitting there watching them fuck, which was weird. But she's just statuesque, beautiful, uh, like a beautiful uh, 1980s, kind of a Cindy Crawford-like uh, uh model and she said on one of those shows like that celebrity rehab and stuff she was uh became addicted to drugs and to to get money so she could do drugs she was and this is after she was in la confidential after she was in the um uh the funeral and these movies um she was like a high-end prostitute i I mean, she must have charged a lot because let me tell you something. Holy shit, man! That would be like if you called for a fucking hooker, and fucking like I said, Cindy Crawford fucking shows up, and you're like, Jesus H Christ, you know? Give me a break. Give me a break. You look great. Uh, Kim Basinger's in that. She was just so so good looking back then. Um, so anyway, uh, LA Confidential. How'd I get off on that? But any uh, oh well, because of Guy Pierce uh, or Guy Pierce. Uh, L.A. Confidential is one of the first things I think that I saw him in. Um, the one movie, 
he was always good, even if when he was in um, movies that he really wasn't like the the top star. The like rules of engagement was Samuel L. Jackson, and um, he played a prosecutor in that, and it was sort of like almost like a. Uh, you know, the Tom Cruise fucking movie, uh, You Can't Handle the Truth, blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Bacon played the prosecutor in that. Uh, uh, um, Guy Pierce in Rules of Engagement uh, pl- play- played the prosecutor in that and uh, in Rules of Engagement. I think it's Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, they put Samuel L. Jackson on trial for opening up on some civilians or something in Iraq or Afghanistan or whatever. Uh, but um, Guy Pierce is in that. He's not, you know, like the main guy, but he does a good job as a kind of a arrogant uh, prosecutor. Ravenous, of course, was man. That was a good one. It was that's that's a it's such a weird and strange um, kind of a frontier, uh, gory sort of frontier um, horror horror kind of a movie. Uh, has to do with uh, the uh, mythical Wendigo. If you're if you're a fan of X Men comics, and uh, also when I was talking about um, the Bad Batch, uh, Ravenous has it would be a companion piece to the Bad Batch because it has to do with uh, people that uh, eat people. Uh, but um, uh, Guy Pierce was uh, the top dog in that. It plays Captain John Boyd, and for some reason I'm thinking. Okay, let me look this up here because this all ties together. And it's weird how this ties together because um, there's another guy in this, uh, Robert Carlyle, who I'm going to be talking about shortly. Um, but uh, Robert Carlyle, for some reason, I was thinking that the guy that Robert Carlyle plays in this movie was a real guy in real life. Uh, hmm, maybe not. I thought I read that he's maybe he's just based on based on a guy. Uh, let me look this up. Eh, I'm not sure, but for some reason I'm thinking when I looked up uh, Wendigo or something, or I'd looked up something about this movie, like facts about the uh, about Ravenous, that that actual character was based on uh, based on somebody that was real. This uh, Ravenous was John Spencer's last film between its release and his death from a heart attack. Uh, in 2005, the ensued uh, any movie roles due to his full-time job playing Leo McGarry in uh, The West Wing. I know who Leo McGarry was in The West Wing. I watched that show. But um, uh, the other dude in this, the fuck's that guy's name, I believe is the guy that was Ferris Bueller's um, principal, and he ended up being a fucking... Uh, child molester or something? Is that Jeffrey Jones? Let's see. For some reason, and I may be wrong, yes. Uh, <laughs> in November 2002, after having been accused of hiring a 14-year-old boy to pose for sexually explicit photos, Jones was charged with one felony count of employing a minor for purposes of taking sexually explicit photos and a misdemeanor count of possessing child pornography. Uh, released on $20,000 bail in uh, July 2003 after pleading no contest to felony charge. He was placed on a sex offender register, given five years probation, and ordered to undergo counseling. The misdemeanor charge, possession of a controlled uh, control of child pornography, was dropped. 
Okay, so they dropped the charge of possession of or control of child pornography. Hmm. So I don't know whatever happened to that motherfucker. I remember him in a lot of TV and a lot of shows. He's still working. He just made a movie in 2014, so maybe it's one of those, um, what do you call that? Uh, you give somebody a second chance, chance, uh, forgive and, for, well, not forgive and forget, but, uh, you know, I guess maybe just as long as he's not doing his thing, but I uh, don't have too much uh, room for those kind of people. Child pornography and that lot. Uh, what's his name is also in uh, Ravenous. Uh, the guy with the blonde hair, Neil McDonough, who was in last week, or not last, was it two weeks ago when I did the show? He was in Red 2. Uh, played a real jack, not a jackass, he was just a bastard in that one. <laughs> and he played the Tin Man in uh, the movie, or the TV show Tin Man. Uh, the uh, mini series. Oh, Jesus Christ, I'm stuck in this voice now. Uh, so Guy Pierce in the Memento, that was like his uh, number one movie for me, I think. Uh, I love that movie. That's a Christopher Nolan thingy there. Count of Monte Cristo, I saw that. Uh, he was the bad the bad man. Um, uh, and uh, Jesus uh, Caviezel, I think. For, what did I talk about Jim Caviezel last week, last episode? Jim Caviezel... Jesus Caviezel was in a movie. I know uh, Thin Red Line. Maybe I was talking online that I liked him in Thin Red Line. Uh, He was really good in that. Um, uh, Guy Pierce plays uh, uh, Fernand Mondego, who uh, is the uh, bastard asshole that uh, Edmund Dante uh, is uh, trying to get revenge on. Uh, Let's see here. Henry Caville, uh, that plays a Superman, is also in that movie, and he plays Albert Monde. Uh, uh, Ego. <laughs> Luis Guzman is in the uh, County Monte Cristo too, but he's in everything. Uh, let's see, what else did I not see him in? A uh, proposition. I really like that one with uh, Danny Houston. That was a very dirty, sweaty, and lots of flies in that. Uh, in that uh, Australian Western. That was a good fucking movie. That was some hard-ass shit. Uh, brother against brother, you know. It had uh, some very brutal women abuse in that one. Uh, Factory Girl, I did not see that. He plays Andy Warhol. I would like to check that one out. The Hurt Locker, see, that's another one. I remember him being in The Hurt Locker for just a small part, but he was really good. And the same with The Road, with uh, Viggo Mortensen. Um, I didn't really... That was an Oprah. Loved that book. Um, I think the movie was just so depressing. That's why I didn't really like it. Because I love Vigo. I loved him in Lockout. That was kind of a Snake Plissken-like character. Where he had to go out into space to rescue the... uh, What's that girl's name? President's daughter or something? And of course, I I loved him uh, as Peter Whelan in uh, Prometheus. And I've said that a million times before. Uh, the little trailer uh, extra thing, not a tra- well, I guess it was a trailer, uh, where he is talking to his um, um, stock owners or whatever in his company uh, about Prometheus, the god Prometheus and everything. I thought they should have put that in the movie Prometheus because it was so good. Lawless, he was a total dick in that, but I didn't really like that movie that much. Uh, Tom Hardy was meh. You know, he just grumbled a lot and acted kind of meh. 
Tom Hardy. Let's see, Iron Man 3. Of course, I have a I hate uh, when they just change shit around in a fucking comic book. And I thought Ben Kingsley should have been the, uh, whatchamacallit, Mandarin. And they sort of kind of did a, uh, well, we don't want to do the yellow peril thing. Oh, it's so good, good, good. So they ended up kind of having, uh, uh, what's his face, sort of be the king, or the kingpin. Mandarin, and then ends up uh, the other dude is sort of him. Rover, I like the Rover. I uh, enjoyed that one especially, and, and uh, all through it, I wasn't sure I did. But then, you know, the ending of it uh, just made it for me. It made that movie. Um, so anyway, Alien Covenant, he plays Peter Whelan again. And why am I doing Sean Connery as Peter Whelan? I didn't see Brimstone, but I heard a lot of good stuff about it, so I want to check that one out. That's a Western, and he I think he plays a real dickhead in that one, too. But I think, uh, as far as I can tell, you know, from looking at this list, uh, Memento and L.A. Confidential, they're two totally different movies. Guy Pierce in Memento, I think he it's just basically him. I mean, he's the top guy. He's the main guy. He has all almost all the, you know... He is the focus of the movie. L.A. Confidential, he is one of three. Um, you know, him, Kevin Spacey, and Rachel Crowe. So he shares the spotlight in that one. So I think Memento is probably the best um, Guy Pierce movie. I like Ravenous, but I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, L.A. Confidential is probably the be- better movie. But uh, Memento, as far as just Guy Pierce. Check it out. Check them all out. Watch them all, motherfuckers. Um, somebody let me know that uh, they're making a documentary, or it is, has been made, and it's uh, coming out. Um, and it's uh, a documentary called Frank Serpico about the actual, uh, you know, guy Frank Serpico, the uh, police man who uh, was New York City policeman, uh, went against uh, the corruption of the New York City Police Department and uh, got... Uh, himself into a very dangerous predicament which led to what could have been you know an even worse tragedy he he ended up getting shot uh, kind of set up by some other cops and uh but i'm very interested in seeing this because of course i'm familiar with the character frank serpico from um the movie serpico with al pacino but also the book uh, by Peter Moss. Uh, so I want to see this. I I watched uh, and have watched a lot of interviews when uh, he kind of went uh, sort of, I don't know if I'd say underground, but out of the spotlight for years. And I can understand that. He went and lived, uh, I believe went and lived in, uh, I don't know if it was France or where the hell it was, in Europe for a long time. But then he, he uh, moved back here in the past several years to the United States and started speaking out because of all the police brutality, corruption, and stuff that's going on, which is cool. I want to see this really, really bad. Uh, really hard. I want to see Frank Soprico, 2017. And that, uh, let's see here. Next thing, I saw a trailer for Pacific Rim Uprising from 2008, or it's going to be coming out in 2018. i got to be honest with you, I'm not really that uh, thrilled about it. Um, I like Pacific Rim. Um, <sighs> The, the first one. Um, but when um, Guillermo del Toro 
when I heard that he wasn't going to be doing this one, and I mean, he's the main reason why I like the first one. He just gets it. I love, I love his, um, his use of special effects, like in Hellboy, and uh, you know, uh, I think he did the second Blade movie. I watched another movie with him, tying some other things together that will be coming up uh, with uh, Guillermo del Toro. I always want to say Benicio del Toro, um, but he did not do, he did not direct uh, Pacific Rim Uprising, so that's going to be a uh, a, uh, a strike against it. They couldn't get Charlie Hunnam. Uh, I don't know. You know, like I, I said in a, in another uh, episode, Charlie Hunnam's kind of hit or... I don't even know if I would say hit or miss. Um, I like the movie Pacific Rim. Uh, I don't think Charlie Hunnam was like a huge factor in me liking it. Idris Elba was really good in it, and I liked uh, Rinko Kikuchi. Um, I thought she was awesome. So... The fact that they weren't coming back, I think this one is going to have uh, uh, Charlie Day and Bern Gorman, who played Dr. Newton Geisler and Herman uh, Gottlieb. They're coming back, but again, I think that they kind of, you know, we'll see. Somebody somebody said that they it was kind of like a, a Michael a Michael Bay is taking over the uh, Pacific Rim franchise, I don't know, I guess franchise, you know, so I'm not too thrilled about, it's not Michael Bay, of course, but they're just saying this is what it looks like. So, I'm not sure if I'm going to like it or not. I might, I'll wait for it to come out on DVD. Yeah. I watched a documentary from 2016, which is on Netflix Instant Watch, called Night School. Uh, this was one, and I knew when I started watching it that it would probably kind of get to me and choke me up a little bit. Uh, it's very good. It's a documentary about um, three adults that are um, African American adults that are living sort uh, you know kind of in the, that minimum wage uh, uh, poverty uh, kind of a life and they're going back to school at night school uh, managing a, like uh, children uh, having a job full-time job trying to make ends meet uh, making fucking minimum wage and uh, dealing with live, a, a lot of stuff that comes with uh, poverty. And they're going back to night school to try and get their high school diploma uh, and to better, so that they can actually better themselves. And it, it just, there's a lot of it. It's inspiring, but there's a lot of it that just really, you know, it, it just chokes me up because, um, you know, you hear about white privilege in uh, America and you see something like this where people are 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 brought up in poverty and they have all these strikes against them from the word go and then they're working full-time jobs and sometimes you know my god 10 12 hours a day sometimes 6 7 days a week have kids at home and can't uh, working full time, and that's what gets me about these motherfuckers that say, "Well, you know, get a fucking better job, get off welfare, get off government assistance." Da da da. But but these companies, these multi-million dollar companies, uh, some of them billion dollar companies uh, that hire these people to work, and they pay them like seven fucking fifty an hour in 2017, adjusted for inflation. I mean, like the minimum wage should be like about 20 bucks a fucking hour. And they're like, well, what do you expect? It's a fucking fast food job. It's what kids do. And no, it's not what kids do. I mean, jobs are going away. 
uh, in this country, and and it's just uh, a lot of the the jobs in the past, like factory jobs and stuff like that, um, are going away. They're they're not only going overseas uh, to, so that we can take advantage of poor people over there because we have a minimum wage here and they don't, but they're also going away because they're being automated out of uh, you know they're using robots and stuff like that to do the jobs. So you just have these service industry jobs and then these cocksuckers when they talk about raising the minimum wage, they said, well if you raise the minimum wage, we'll just fucking automate. Uh, you know, like fast food places and stuff, put put even more people out of work. So then, what's going to happen? So anyway, you get you know, it, it's it's um, like I said, it's inspiring, but it is sad because I you know I'll be honest with you, even now uh, at my age, um, you know, having classes whether it's at work or something like that. I mean, I hated school. I I honest to God, I feel like I'm I'm I still have the same uh, problem with you know my attention span and stuff like that that I did when I was in school you know and that was 30 some fucking years ago um if I am interested in something and I learned it at my own pace uh, and uh but sitting in a classroom with somebody just standing up there droning on my mind fucking wanders um if you can put it in the context of something visual like watching a documentary or, or reading something in a magazine a book or fucking even a comic book or something like that i've learned so much educating myself but if you put me in a classroom you know is you know listening to me from doing this show how fucking manic i am you know how my my brain is just going ba 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 um it's hard to concentrate, but I can fucking go for a walk and put my eye, I, uh, my buds in my ears on my uh, iPod and listen to some you know podcast, whether even a history podcast or anything like that, and learn. Uh, so you know, it, and, and just thinking about these people that are adults and all the pressures that they have, just trying to survive. I mean, trying to fucking survive. And it's not just for themselves. I mean, having little kids and and knowing that if they don't better themselves, um, that they're going to raise their kids up in the same with the same strikes against them, and how hard it is, and everything. And knowing that even if they do do this, and even if they do get their high school diploma, that they still might be just they're they're trapped, they're stuck, and it's really heartbreaking. So that's called Night School, 2016. That's on Netflix Instant. Um, it, it is good. It's worth a watch. It's not a long documentary, but like I said, you know, somebody like me, I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm like, uh, you know, my heart just fucking, you know, I'm uh, what do they call it, a bleeding heart liberal? Well, I'd rather be my have my heart beat uh, bleed for somebody who's poor and somebody who's sick and so, or somebody that uh, has, you know, whether they have whatever kind of problems. You know, helping your fellow man and feeling, feeling sympathy for them and wanting to help them is not a fucking weakness, and that's what I hate about some of these stupid motherfuckers that are so caught up in this macho bullshit. That you know, um, well, I I got mine, so fuck them. You know, uh, they 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 can get pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. I had to, but then if something like that happens to somebody they know, all of a sudden, then they can relate to it, but only if it affects them directly. Okay, next thing I watched, get off my high horse, my high horse. I uh, watched uh, 1955's Jump Into Hell. This was directed by David Butler and written by Irving Wallace. It stars Jacques 
uh, Sonas, Kurt Kasnar, and Arnold Moss. Um, this is one of the reasons that I've, I found this on, and, and Peter Van Eck, who you will know as um, not Lemus. Lemus was uh, Richard Burton and Spy who came in from the cold. It was um, Munt. Munt from uh, Spy who came in from the cold. The uh, the uh, East German bastard that uh, that uh, Lemus was uh, was trying to get uh, Peter Van Eck. He was also in some other stuff that I have reviewed on the show, so I really like him. Um, but anyway, one of the reasons I wanted to see this, I saw the poster for it a while back, and um, and I was like, man, I want to see this uh, because it is about uh, uh, the siege and battle at uh, Dien Bien Phu, where the French. Um, were under siege by the Viet Minh, uh, who would no- later go on to be, you know, the North Vietnamese regulars and all that. Um, and it was basically the Waterloo for the French in Vietnam. Uh, and again, I've talked about this on the show. I'm interested. I've been interested in in that subject um, for a long time. And there were two uh, movies. Let's see. Bien, bien Phu. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Um, two movies by uh, Pierre Schondorfer. Uh, the one is, of course, 1992's Jian Bien Phu, which is a big budget uh, um, epic about Jian Bien Phu and about Vietnam at that time under French occupation. And the other one is uh, 317 Platoon by Pierre Schondorfer, which is the uh, smaller. Uh, more intimate platoon size um, uh, movie about uh, uh, the French in um, Indochina um, at this time and these guys, it is at the time of Dien Bien Phu and they are uh, in retreat, this platoon is in retreat, we talked about it before and uh, Sammy and Will actually it was a recommendation for me, they reviewed it on Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema but anyway, back to Jump Into Hell I saw a um, when I was looking up stuff about uh, Dien Bien Phu and about uh, those two movies by Pierre Schondorfer I saw this uh, movie poster for Jump Into Hell and I was like, man, I want to see this. And it's a Warner Brothers movie. Um, I actually found it on YouTube for free. Uh, so it's probably a Warner Archive movie that they they have released. And it is on YouTube for free. Um, okay. I like the movie. But go into it if you watch it. Go into it knowing that this is kind of a patriotic... Um, patriotic... Uh, kind of a propaganda movie almost like a it's like a, a, a view of this time uh, made by like in, in sort of like a John Wayne type movie where they're talking about you know uh, the French uh, this is their Alamo uh, their final stand they're, they're, they're going to go down fighting they're not going to retreat they're going to go down fighting to show the, the you know it's, it's an anti-communist movie uh, they're going to show the communists that uh one last time that they can't break the French spirit, blah, 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 blah. If you watch 317 Platoon or Dien Bien Phu, uh, they're ma- both made later, so you, uh, they're a lot more cynical and a lot more, I think, realistic as far as that goes. But I did like this movie, and uh, I will, you know, uh, probably watch it again. Again! Um, 
and those motherfuckers were some brave motherfuckers. I'll tell you that. But uh, I, I don't. I never believe in the. Uh, you know, uh, when you know all is lost and you have a way out of uh, the last stand, the suicide kind of a thing to to the last man battle. Uh, yeah, if there's no way out, if there's absolutely no way out, no way to save lives, yeah, you you know, sure. You know, maybe, you know, you fight to the last man or whatever because uh, you have no choice. But when you have a choice to save lives, and they did, uh, and these some of these dumb motherfuckers at the top were like, you know, we must stay and prove the victory of France, that we will fight on forever. This is like the uh, the France à la mort. <coughs> so, whatever. I like it, though. It's a good movie. Um, next thing I watched was uh, from 2017, a newer movie than 1955. This is 2017's The Hero, which was written and directed by Brett Haley. And uh, it stars um, Sam Elliott and the chick from the 70s show. I believe her name is Laura Pepon. Pepon? <laughs> is that French? <laughs> um, Kristen Ritter is in this. Uh, who else is in this? Catherine Ross, who is Sam Elliott's uh, uh, real life wife. Um, this one, I may have mentioned it last time because I said I was going to watch it. I had it uh, already downloaded and just hadn't had a chance to watch it yet. Um, also, Nick uh, Offerman is in this, and I liked him in Fargo. Uh, that was the, was that the first season? I think it might have been the first season with uh, Patrick Wilson. Um, anyway, this is Sam Elliott's, um, how you know how I said Memento was like you know Guy Pierce's movie? It's him. This is Sam Elliott's movie. He is the focus. He is the main guy. He the whole movie revolves around him. And you have to think. Uh, uh, you wonder a certain amount uh, how much this was. Uh, well, you can see it as maybe sort of like a, not just Sam Elliott, but maybe like uh, whether it's a John Wayne or somebody you know. That was a huge, like Western movie star, and then they're getting up there in age, and they're not getting any roles or not getting any parts, and they're doing commercials or voiceovers and stuff like that, um, and him just dealing with life and dealing with, you know, in some ways life passing him by, in some ways being so. Uh, I don't know if I would say obsessed or. Uh, not obsessed, but so up his own ass about his career and his ego that when I said life passing him by, him actually letting things that are important in his life pass by uh, without putting on the brakes and saying this is what's important. Um, It's really good. Um, Now, I know cinemasochist Justin Oberholzer from Suplex Multiplex was asking me about it. I kind of wanted to hold off on saying too much about it because I knew I was going to be re- talking about it on the show. Um, I had heard some very good reviews about this movie, um, and I did tell Justin, and I was not lying, that I liked the movie. Now, it was not... I hate to say it's not as good as what I thought it was going to be because then that makes it sound like I didn't like it. I did like it, but it's it's not a 10. It's it's only like maybe a 7 for me, but a good 7. Uh, number one, because I like 
watching Sam Elliott get this much of a, you know this uh, media of a role. I like the subject matter, you know, of course, since I'm getting old, something like this. And this includes, like, the movie with uh, Robert Redford and Jane Fonda that I watched, you know, uh, a few uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, sort of the same thing, even though, of course, you know, these these people are... Let's see, Sam, let's see how old Sam Elliott is. Because I know Redford and, uh, and Fonda are, like, in their 80s. Or just turned 80 or whatever, but... Um, uh, Sam Elliott. So I'm trying, you know, when when I'm talking about, you know, I can relate. When you, no matter, okay, Sam Elliott's 73. So, uh, but but even though he's, you know, 20 plus years older than me, and Robert Redford and Jane Fonda are 30 plus years older than me. Um, once you hit a certain age and you start seeing things change, including yourself, you know, physically and how you are and everything. Um, you know these type of movies. You know they kind of take hold. You you can kind of understand where where they're coming from. And uh, like I said, I mean Sam Elliott at fifty, he was still making some fucking good movies. And and uh, you know Sam Elliott at uh, at seventy three, you know with this movie, he's still making good movies. This was a good movie. Um, I recommend it. It was um, I got it on iTunes. I rented that one. So um, next one I watched was okay. We were I was talking earlier about uh, Pacific Rim. And uh, Guillermo del Toro, and the connection that I had for that one was um, I watched 1993's Cronus, Cronos, uh, <laughs> which is a Criterion movie. Got that one on iTunes uh, under uh, their Criterion movies. And uh, that also was, well, another one that's coming up, so I'll tell you about that one in a minute. I, I thought I had already talked about it, but um, Guillermo del Toro wrote and directed this movie, and I think this was the first movie that he did that uh, really, um, you know, made him famous and let me look this up real quickie real quickie daddy daddy oh I already have it on another one but I don't want to fuck up my IMD EMD bill um well I was just wanting to see if this was actually his first movie uh let's see here no Chronos. Uh, well, okay, he did two shorts and he did a, a TV series. Chronos was his first full-length movie. I, I, I was wondering if that's what it was. Um, I had never seen this and didn't know anything about it. And then when I saw it uh, under the uh, Criterion thing on iTunes, I thought, you know what? Fuck it. It's um, it's October, and like you know, a lot of you guys know, I'm not a huge horror fan. Uh, but I still, you know, I'll, if it's something good and that's rated. Rated good, you know, not just trash. Uh, I'll check it out. I did not know that Ron Perlman was in this, and it seems that uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro and Ron Perlman uh, kind of share, um, uh, you know, some good parts of their career together. Um, because um, now he uh, Perlman and del Toro did uh, Blade Two, Hellboy, um, Hellboy Two, Golden Army. Uh, he wasn't in Pacific Rim, but Cronus too. Uh, so I'd like to see these guys work together. Um, Perlman is young in this. Uh, he is a jerk. <laughs> Angel de la Guardia. Uh, Angel de la Guardia. Now, there, uh, okay, one thing about this movie is there's a lot of it that's in Spanish, but then there's a lot of it that's in English. Ron Perlman's character f- for the majority of the movie speaks English. He does uh, speak some Spanish and convinc- convincingly. Um, 
Frederico Lupi plays uh, Jesus Gris and oh let's see who else is in this Mother Frinker uh, Claudio Brook what is Claudio plays uh, De La Guardia and uh, Bron Perlman is kind of his manservant slash is that his son or his nephew I can't remember uh, Angel De La Guardia it is a good movie. I'm saying that it's more of Italian, you know, it's not uh, uh, Spanish. But this is a, a different kind of a look. And that's one thing I like about Del Toro. Okay, now this does have some special effects as far as makeup goes and as far as uh, this mysterious device. Um, and when I saw it, which the kind of the movie revolves around, uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, Hellboy 2 because they had a lot uh, some like mechanical kind of uh, uh, supernatural uh, mechanical like special effects. Uh, if you haven't seen this movie, uh, I don't want to give too much of it away uh, because it is an interesting movie and it's an interesting take on a specific genre. Uh, it's not what... I thought it would be, and I like that it was, and I like that Del Toro went a different way with this very familiar uh, genre. Uh, and like I said, Ron Perlman really stands out, so he was really good at this. Man, he's a dick. <laughs> but check this one out if you haven't seen it. This is one I I, I do recommend. Yeah. Uh, I finally got around to watching Train Spotting 2, T2, Train Spotting, uh, 2017, directed by Danny Boyle, written by John Hodge and Irvin Welsh. And the way, uh, a way that I did the what goes around comes around thing with this is uh, we were talking about Ravenous a while, oh, just a few minutes ago. And Robert Carlyle is one of the stars of this. And he was also, of course, one of the stars of the original Train Spotting. Uh, one of my favorite uh, actors going now, Ewan McGregor, who was in the original. They, they, uh, pretty much the entire cast of the original one, the, the main characters, come back in this one. And it's not done in a cheesy way. It's done in a good way. I really liked it. I liked how they stayed true to their characters. How they didn't suddenly all... Um, well, I don't want to give away you know, how they act when they come back. I expected something else. But I should have known that since Danny Boyle was the one doing it, that uh, he would, they would not... I, I doubt if, if, they, if this movie would have sold out... And when I say sold out, I don't mean like selling a lot of tickets. I mean selling out like a feel-good bunch of bullshit. Um, I don't think Danny Boyle and I don't think probably any of the other ones would have been involved in it. Um, but uh, I'm glad to see Ian McGregor come back. Uh, Robert Carlyle. Jesus H. Christ, man. Him and, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Ewan uh, Bremer, Bremner, uh, who plays Spud. Uh, those two, for Christ's sakes, you can hardly understand what the fuck they're saying, you know, because they have that thick accent. Uh, Johnny Lee Miller is great as, as Sick Boy. I always still want to call him Sick Boy, Simon, you know, Sick Boy. Uh, and what's her name? Little, uh, um, oh, Jesus H. Christ. Oh, fuck. From um, No Country for Old Men. Um, oh, God damn it. Can't remember her name. She's a lash. 
an Irish lash, and I can't remember her name, but I think she's so cute. And when she was in, um, when she was in um, fucking uh, uh, Kelly McDonald. Okay, I loved her in No Country for Old Men. She played Llewellyn Moss's wife in that, and she was so fucking good. But uh, then the I hate to sound like a sexist pig, but a fucking huge payoff uh, after having not seen Train Spotting was watching Train Spotting and getting to see her uh, very much very naked. Oh, she was so cute. Jesus, she's still cute. I would marry her tomorrow. And I don't even know her. So that's even a weird thing to say because if you don't know somebody, you get into trouble with women like I always do before I get to know them, screwing them uh, very quickly, <laughs> becoming very involved with them before I even know who the fuck they are. But, you know, hey, man, I like sex. <laughs> Another thing, uh, Tim from Korea, the Canadian Korean uh, that I was talking about was... uh um, ah, I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> he knows what we were talking about. <laughs> All that addiction problems with sex and things like that. Um, next thing I watched was 2017's Larceny. Starring Dolph Lundgren, and that is all the people need to know. Uh, actually, Corbin Burnson was in this, and uh, who else is there? There were some other people in this. Uh, Corbin Burnson from uh, L.A. Law, uh, Jeffrey Ross. Uh, who else? Jesus H. Christ! I thought there was somebody else that was famous. Oh, what was that guy's name? He played the uh, the senator. And he was somebody. Hey, he was somebody famous, somebody that I recognized, and I don't. Oh, uh, oh, okay, it wasn't somebody I know. Uh, I was thinking of uh, Costas uh, Mandalore, uh, but this is Louis Mandalore. So I think that this is uh, maybe his. It's got to be his brother because that's who I thought it was. Um, he was in the movie, the gangster movie with like a, a Christian Slater and Richard Grieco, and I can't remember what that was. that called Mobsters? Anyway, so this is a Dolph Lundgren movie, and of course I have to watch all Dolph Lundgren movies, especially all the new direct to, or straight-to-DVD uh, movies. I love Dolph. Uh, this is directed by R. Ellis Frazier, written by Benjamin Budd and Scott Windhauser. Um, now, Loaf said he kind of gave this a fart noise for this movie, Um I fucking enjoyed it because of number one, Dolph looks great. That motherfucker, the older he gets, he just gets more and more charisma with these little looks. Uh, he's almost like Steve McQueen, where he doesn't have to say anything. He'll just give that, you know, that look with his goddamn chin stuck out, and you know, like he's maybe half in the bag, but his hair looks great. He's fucking tan. He's in good shape for being an older dude. Let me look at it and see how old Dolph is. Uh, gotta be Christ is he 60 gotta be cause fuck I'm old that's how I that's how I judge how old people are he's 59 he's almost 60 but I mean, let me tell you something he looks better than I do at 59 Dolph looks better than I did when I was like fucking 20 I mean he's just fucking handsome he's big tall dude uh, he gets it I mean he he's He's not so overly macho like, say, like Mark Wahlberg or somebody like that that's always trying to be a badass. He's got that sly grin. Uh, he knows how, like, just those little subtle facial things and everything. Okay, so I like Dolph. I love watching him act. Um, the only one, that, and that movie where uh, they had the robots fighting the zombies, 
like I said, I was disappointed in that because uh, that's a hell of a concept. I would like to see a fucking big budget movie made right now where they had robots fighting fucking zombies like that. You know, it'd be cool. Uh, um, but that one kind of fell down on the job and it was just shit really kind of not very well made. Um, this one is sort of a heist movie and sort of kind of like a the Mel Gibson movie where he went to the went into the Mexican prison. Uh, but this is sort of like a... Uh, a uh, Ocean's Eleven kind of a thing where they go into a prison and to do some stuff and blah, blah, blah. I don't want to give anything away. It's worth a watch to me, uh, number one, because how funny it is and didn't does not mean to be funny. Dolph is so fucking slow. And everybody knows that when I talk about Dolph Lundgren movies, one of the things that I love is how slow he is when he does karate. I mean, the guys have to stand there and wait for him. I mean, it's so obvious. It's almost like a pro wrestling thing where the guy's just standing there and it takes like three minutes for the punch to come and it misses. The, I mean, you don't see him like the, the him missing, but he's so fucking slow and running. You know, that's, you know, it's funny watching him run. He doesn't run too much in this, but his fighting is beyond. It is like, okay, the TV show, The Flash, you know how he's so fast that he causes all this problems with time? Dolph is so fucking slow with his moves that I think he could create a reverse vortex and go back in time. He is so fucking slow. Like, the people could go, like, that he's getting ready to punch or elbow or throw a kick at. They could go eat a fucking ham sandwich. They could go cook a fucking ham sandwich. Go to the grocery store, buy the ham, buy the cheese, buy the fucking bread. Come back, put it all out put it in the microwave, set it for two minutes to melt the cheese, get it out, go get a can of fucking soda out of the thing, open it up, sit there and eat both of them, burp, go take a shit, uh, wipe their ass, read a comic book while they're fucking taking a shit and come back and and then stand there and then the punch will hit them. It's, it's great. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> I love watching Dolph. Um, this is one that I, I, you know, I hate to say I would buy it because I, you know, I if this one was on VHS or I can find it for like a dollar, I will buy it. I don't give a fuck. That's like Jean Claude Van Damme shitty straight to DVD movies too. Dolphin Jean Claude Van Damme, I will buy anything they do. Another um, Criterion movie that I almost let slip a minute ago when I was talking about Kronos. Uh, when I was looking at the Criterion movies on iTunes, I found 1955, which is also another way to bring it around uh, from uh, Jump into Hell, which was made in 1955. This is another, um, uh, let's see, this is a, a Spanish movie. made. In, I think it's made in Spain. Um, Death of a Cyclist, or Muerta de un Cis... Sicilista. Uh, this is a pretty good movie. I, no, number one, I love the way it's shot. It's in black and white, but I just love all the camera angles. I love the way it's shot. Uh, it's one of those movies that is a really raises the paranoia of um, the protagonist. The antagonist is a motherfucker. Okay, he is. He could be like okay. I was just I was just reading uh, Infamous Iron Man number twelve, and uh, it's Doctor Strange. Doctor Doom basically has turned good. Um, he has uh, one of Tony Stark's armor, and he is the Infamous Iron Man. 
uh, but it is Victor Von Doom inside the armor, and the armor's green like Doctor Doom shit and everything. And now people know that it's Doctor Doom, but he has turned good, so he's fighting, and he's being manipulated by, well, first of all, his mother, who was uh, like Soldier Soul, went to hell, and he's always been, that's one of the reasons that he's been so fucked up. Of course, in the original comics, I think one of the main reasons was because he was just envious of Reed Richards being so much smarter than him, and, and while Reed was getting into science and, and, and becoming a master of all science, Von Doom was almost Reed's equal as far as science goes, but Reed was always a little bit better, so they had that jealousy thing. So, but Von Doom got involved in uh, in uh, the black arts, you know, and I, that had to do with his mom, like, being a gypsy, and then they later brought on the, the story that she had, you know, ended up in, her soul had ended up in hell, and he was always trying to get her out. So he's being manipulated. He's trying to go good and everything, and he's being manipulated. But what I was going to say was, and how I came upon that with uh, Thor and uh, Natalie Portman and Kat uh, Dennings and the wrinkle-free cream and all that shit, and Festus. <laughs> he, um, okay, this is the part of the show where I'm not acting stupid. Um, the antagonist in this is reminds me almost of Mephisto. Uh, in Marvel Comics, the that guy, and just, and I'm ta- I'm talking about like just the look on this guy's face and how he acts. He seems like he is almost like the devil, uh, almost the devil incarnate on how he is um, fucking with these people. Um, I really like this movie. I had never heard of it, and like I said, uh, you know, I know that not every Criterion movie is great. Uh, like, you know, I, that Chasing Amy, I, I know some people on the group, on Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema group, uh, really like that movie. I don't like it at all, and I, you know, for me, it being a Criterion movie, it's one of the examples to me of a movie that I d- proves that cr- all Criterion movies aren't great. Um, but this is a good movie, and I, and uh, I recommend it if you have not seen it. Uh, I thought the acting in it was really good. Like I said, I, uh, uh, Juan Antonio Bardem um, is the writer and director. Let me look him up real quick. Of course, you know I'm thinking of Javier Bardem. Uh, Juan. Okay. I you know you always see in 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 movies Hollywood and all this stuff these people that are. Uh, you know, that have similar names and then they end up being like, oh, this is so-and-so's son or whatever, you know. Uh, okay, he's the uncle of Javier Bardem. So that, you know, like I said, I thought maybe I was was uh, jumping the gun there. Uh, but uh, it's like uh, um, Francis Ford Coppola and Nicholas Coppola, a.k.a. Nicholas Cage. Uh, you know, you, you hear a name or Sean Penn and then his dad was a director or whatever. Okay, so anyway... Um, Death of a Cyclist is a good one. Uh, it's a classic, and I recommend it. Uh, yeah, check it out if you get a chance. iTunes has it, and I know. I think uh, I thought I, you know, people were talking that uh, iTunes was actually going to, or not iTunes, that uh, Criterion was actually going to start their own service. So, and somebody had actually said, I don't know if it's Will uh, from Gentleman's Guide had actually said at one time that, uh, you know, uh, get your Criterion while you can, as far as getting it on Amazon or on. Um, on uh, iTunes because they were going to start their own service where you 
you know, get your stuff directly from them. I don't know if they're going to do that or not. That seems kind of stupid because uh, if that was the case, because, you know, Amazon or iTunes, Amazon um, Instant or iTunes Instant or even Netflix, you know, fuck, you know, why, why wouldn't you want your shit to be out to, you know, as long as you're getting the, getting the money, who gives a shit? I guess you're getting more money if you don't have to pay them their fee. Uh, watched uh, two th- uh, two thousand. I watched nineteen eighty three's uh, Star Wars episode. What is that fucking six? <laughs> Return of the Jedi. Not my biggest. Uh, not the biggest fan of this one. Um, of the three original ones, this is my least favorite. Um, it could have been better. <laughs> Number one, you have Carrie Fisher uh, in the uh, metal bikini, which is you know just awesome. Uh, she was so good looking and so young at the time and uh, um, yeah, rest in peace Carrie Fisher that's sad that she went as uh, soon as she did uh, but she had her issues with uh, with drugs and uh, so you know I like seeing Mark Hamill kind of having a resurgence because of the new Star Wars movies but not only that uh, playing uh, Joker in the animated um, Batman um, t- uh, animated Batman series uh, and then with all the stuff with Harley Quinn and Joker coming out from Suicide Squad, Mark Hamill's getting a little resurgence as far as that goes, too. Uh, of course, the thing I've talked about before that I, I didn't like about this one as much is it started getting Muppet kind of territory. And even watching it um, uh, the other day on TV, um, the, you know, of course, Lucas got in there and tinkered with it and added some things and whatever. Um, the creatures started looking much more muppety. Uh, of course, of course, and I'm not just talking about the Ewoks. I'm talking about just the creatures that, uh, w- with Jabba, you know, you had the pig nose, uh, you know, kind of big henchmen and stuff like that. They, they just really started looking like Muppets, uh, like uh, Jim Henson was doing the shit on it. He may have. I don't know. This was uh, directed by Richard uh, Marquand. And uh, written by Lawrence Kasdan, uh, of course, the screenplay, and uh, by George Lucas and Lawrence Kasdan. Mark Hamill looks, uh, you know, he. he I kind of liked how they did this because he, you know, they, there was always a rumor that said that um, when he was doing Corvette Summer that he actually was in a car wreck and he fucked his face up, like had, uh, had to have uh, uh, plastic surgery and stuff, and that he didn't look the same as he did in the original one. Well, you know, in the original one, he was younger and he was made to look more boyish. So I kind of like in this one that he looks, you know, kind of harder and darker because he's supposed to be, you know, uh, uh, you know, has, has a little bit more, uh, what do you call it? Mileage on him, uh, from all the shit that's going on psychologically and emotionally. But not only that, you know, you get your fucking hat hand hacked off by a guy who says, Hey, I'm your fucking dad and blah, blah, blah. And you're uh, having incestuous thoughts about your sister in a fucking metal bikini. And, uh, you know, well, you know, that shit will happen. But, um, I don't know. It, it's, there's parts of it that aren't bad. The parts with Vader and Luke, uh, are, and, and the beginning, you know, with Luke, uh, going out there and, being out in the snow and all that shit and having to cut the fucking thing open, la la la, to survive and everything. That was cool. Um, the Ewok planet thing, it just didn't do it for me. Uh, uh, so, like I said, Luke and Vader and that shit, that's that's cool. Uh, Carrie Fisher in the metal bikini. Uh, God bless you for sharing uh, that with us. 
Uh, and like I said, I mean, just after watching the documentary about George Lucas, I, I still have kind of a, a bit of a uh, distaste for his stupid ass, uh, the way he treated uh, Dave Prowse, and, you know, just kind of how he fucked up the fucking franchise there for a while. Um, like I said, uh, the first one and the second one, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, uh, I really like this one. It starts to go off the rails, and then, uh, you know, eh, it's not too much to talk about there. I uh, watched uh, 2013's Generation Iron, which was directed by and written by Vlad Yudin, um, starring uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Lou Ferrigno, Mickey Rourke has some, uh, he's the narrator, uh, Michael Jai White, uh, Busta Rhymes. Uh, you have a bunch of people in this talking about the influence of uh, bodybuilding, like Ferrigno and Schwarz, uh, Schwarzenegger. Uh, and um, but it revolves, or it sort of tries to be the um, new uh, uh, this generation's pumping iron. Um, and I didn't think I would like it that much because from what I have seen about bodybuilding now, uh, there's not a lot for me to like. Uh, they did kind of uh, put their thumb on female bodybuilding, where the uh, females uh, who were doing so many uh, uh, steroids, human growth hormone and everything that they started looking, uh, started actually changing their physique into almost like a man's physique. It became so unpopular and uh, the fitness uh, Instagram and fitness women uh, who look so much more feminine. It depends on the level of it because there are some fitness uh, ladies or women uh, today that um, still have, as far as my taste goes, still have went too far uh, when they started getting the the round rounded shoulders and the uh, you know the abs and their boobs go completely away and they start getting that hard looking face. Uh, but all in saying that, I still say the same thing as I say about whether it's recreational drugs, alcohol, or anything. As long as you're not hurting anybody else, it's your choice. So if you want to do that, and that goes for even the women that, uh, you know, the real hardcore women bodybuilders that, you know, are have lost so much of their femininity as far as their look goes. You know, you t- see some of these women and, and, you know, just to, it's like China in WWF slash WWE when she first came there she had done you know steroids and it changes the shape of the woman's face when they start uh, getting more male hormones in their body uh, they start getting the square jaw and their face facial features and their voice starts getting like this you know they start getting the deeper voice and it doesn't come back um and a lot of them would go and get like breast implants because when you take your body fat down to like 5% or something like that, you know, all that, uh, like, you know, your, your, the woman's breasts is mostly fat, uh, and, um, and even their ass and stuff like that, it, it goes away. And then they just, you know, have all those muscles and they're all cut up and everything, but they have the voice and their face starts looking manly and they start getting facial hair and hair on their fucking bodies and their chest and stuff. They have to get rid of all that, laser it or wax it and everything. Um, again, as long as they're not hurting anybody else, uh, I don't give a shit. 
the problem that I have with um, a lot of these guys, whether it's men or women on Instagram, uh, that have become these huge hits, like uh, uh, Rich Piana, who just passed away recently, uh, Dana Lynn Bailey, uh, Bradley, what's his name, Castleberry, and these people like that. Um, in some not in some ways, in every way, they are snake oil salesmen because they take all this um, steroids, human growth hormone, insulin, all this different shit to look the way they look. You cannot look that way without taking that shit and have that much mass and have that low a body fat uh, without taking illegal drugs. Um, again, if they're not hurting anybody else by taking this, that's fine. But how they hurt other people is that they, to make money, they sell all these supplements. And they'll get in muscle and fitness or they'll get on Instagram and they'll or, or whatever. And they'll show, they'll get all pumped up and oiled up and they have uh, 5% body fat. They have a 60 fucking inch chest. They're 5 foot uh, 8 and weigh 300 fucking pounds. They call them, nowadays, they call them mass monsters. Because even compared to like Schwarzenegger, uh, Frank Zane, Franco Colombo, Dave Draper, and uh, um, Larry Scott, Sergio Oliva, you know, you, you look at the old, even the old Pumping Iron movie. These guys are so much bigger that, that they don't, they're not aesthetically pleasing. Like Schwarzenegger said, uh, our goal was to look like you know those Greek statues where you have the V shape down to a very small waist. Uh, Frank Zane wasn't even a big guy, but he just had that you know the symmetry and all you know. Nowadays, it's gone so far that they pump themselves up full of so much shit, trying to like these guys have like Lex Luger was like that. He wanted the wrestler. He wanted to be three hundred pounds and have fucking like three percent body fat. Um, they're so fucking overblown with these huge veins and they're so big there's no way that you could ever naturally do that and my point being about them being snake oil salesmen is they get in these magazines and stuff and and i did that when i when i was a kid and i was into like bodybuilding like you know you watch wrestling or something like that you see these schwarzenegger lou ferrigno all these guys and you'd be like man i want to look like that so you get a weight set and you're sitting there lifting them and say oh well i gotta get uh that protein powder that Arnold has in the magazine, or Tom Platts, or Albert Beckles, or whoever, Serge Nubre, and yeah, the protein powder helps helps you build muscle, but your body can only hold naturally hold so much of a certain vitamin, of a certain amount of protein, unless you burn it off, it you're going to piss it out. Um, these guys are selling all these supplements, pre-workout, post-workout supplements, pre-workout supplements, uh, all these different things that you get over the counter that are not, and I repeat, are not uh, regulated by the Food and Drug Administration. Um, so they can have anything in them. They all sell this shit, and uh, you know, if you break it down, fuck, it's probably flour and uh, ground-up sunflower seeds and blah 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 blah. Um, I say snake oil salesman because they're selling this shit, and you're in a ma- you're looking at a magazine, and you're a young guy who maybe is skinny, and you want to look 
big and you want to look impressive and you see these guys and they got these ladies with them that are hot and everything in the magazine on their shoulder in a bikini with a thong and everything you're like man i want to look like that because number one it makes me look macho as shit it makes me um you know all the women are going to look at me and say oh my god look at that guy's body all the guys are going to be envious blah 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 and they're saying if you take this shit you can look like me that's bullshit and now if they had a fucking thing there with uh, vials full of human growth hormone full of steroids uh, insulin and whatever else they take to to get the way they look that's fine yeah say hey here's these steroids here's the DECA here's a trend here's you know all this different shit here's human growth hormone you take all this shit and you can look like me yeah that's great but that's not what they're saying because that shit's illegal um, so they're selling a a bunch of bullshit. Um, as far as I'm concerned, you know, you know, as far as fitness goes, eat healthy. Um, you know, there there are certain diets. You know, like I said, get on a, a low carb diet, a high protein. You know, fucking go work out, and you can you can look good. But when you look at somebody who's natural uh, uh, that lifts weights as compared to somebody who is like these bodybuilders that are, you know, and, and like Schwarzenegger even said, he, he actually addressed like the Mr. Olympia, um, at, at a, you know, press conference, not a press conference, but a conference. Cause he was like one of the judges or something. And he said, we need to get this back to where it was. He said, these guys are just look they're They're like, like I said, they call them mass monsters. They're so big that, they almost just they're starting to look like uh you know huge gorillas where they have the these big bellies even though they have no body fat and you can see their stomach muscles their stomach sticks out and they call it uh, uh, palumbo syndrome and what it is is when you take growth hormone or you take these steroids and stuff well, i think it's mostly growth hormone growth hormone causes all your tissue to grow so um i think it was maybe that rich piano um, he was one of the guys that on Instagram that built this empire and he would take anything and he would talk about all the shit he took, the legal stuff, all the stuff that he did. Uh, he had a certain look with this black beard, black hair covered in fucking tattoos. His arms were so fucking big, you know, he would shoot that fucking uh, synthol uh, like oil into his muscles to make him even look bigger. And his arms are so grotesquely huge and everything. Um, but he admitted he said when i started taking growth hormone he goes i i wore like a size uh, 11 shoe or i think he said he wore like a size 12 shoe and when he started taking growth hormone and the guy's like 30 some years old he started taking growth hormone and he was wearing like a size 15 shoe his wrist got like a fucking inch bigger not like muscle but like the bone grew the space between his eyes like big john stud they said you know he took he wanted to be as big as andre the giant so he was taking human growth hormone and like ken patera would say he goes i told him he goes you're gonna kill yourself taking that shit the space between his eyes fucking got like a goddamn inch wider uh rich piano said that his head his skull fucking grew and i read you know somewhere they said once you hit like 12 years old your your skull stops growing you know uh and he's in his 30s and his skull grew like a fucking half an inch or something like that um he was talking about all these measurements, but he also said 
that that Palumbo syndrome, where they have the zero percent or not zero percent body fat, no, you know, you, that you, I don't think you could do that. It'd probably kill you. But say between like you know down like five percent, six percent body fat, you have no uh, body fat. You're lean as hell. You can see your stomach muscles. You can see all the veins and everything, but their stomach sticks out. He said that was because. The human growth hormone causes all your tissue to grow, including your intestines and including your internal organs. So the reason these guys have these big bellies, that, that, that their bellies stick out, even though you can see their abs and they have no fat, is because their intestines and their organs are growing. And that's why a lot of them, whether they're bodybuilders or professional wrestlers or even like football players and stuff like that, are dying at age like 50 and they'll say, well, they died of heart failure. They had a heart attack. Well, what caused the fucking heart attack? These guys are elite athletes that work out, that watch their diets and everything. Their heart should be... Well, the reason is, is because they take this shit and their heart fucking grows. It gets... They get an enlarged heart. And, you know, yeah, if your bicep gets big, you know, maybe that's good. Or your or your, your quads or your pecs or whatever. They get big, but your heart is also a muscle and your heart getting bigger is not good. Because it doesn't work right, it ha- and it, and it has to pump so much more blood. It gets flabby. It, it doesn't beat right. And these guys are in their thirties and sometimes their forties, and they're they're having heart failure and dropping dead of heart attacks or having to have you know uh, whatever. Um, so, but this this movie, I was surprised because I heard that like Mickey Rourke narrated it and he had something to do with it. And I know that he, I mean, fuck, you could tell by looking at him and Stallone. Stallone, number one, got caught with human growth hormone. And you know he takes steroids because he hung around with, uh, uh, Franco Colombo trained him for um, some of these Rocky movies. And I think for like, um, um, I can't remember, like Rambo or something like that. Um, So he was into steroids. You can tell by looking at him in some of those Rocky and and, um, uh, Rambo movies. But also, he got caught with human growth hormone in, I think, the Australian airport and got arrested and all that shit. And Mickey Rourke, if you see him in, um, there was that movie, um, it was called Point Break, or not Point Break, Point Blank. It wasn't, of course, the Lee Marvin movie. It was a movie that was like Die Hard, except it took place in a mall. And uh, Mickey Rourke's character, when he would do karate, it was Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, standing in for him doing the martial arts. But Mickey Rourke was... When you know when you saw him boxing, he looked a certain way, and then all of a sudden when you saw him in Point Blank, uh, he looked like a fucking bodybuilder. Now he, Mickey Rourke did not just all of a sudden work out and say his prayers and takes his vitamins. He started doing steroids, and it was obvious because he had very low body fat and he was just cut up and big. And also when you saw him in the, I think the remake of Get Carter with Stallone, who was jacked to the gills with the giant veins and Stallone's head's getting bigger. It looks weird. You know, the guy's, the guy's heads, you know, start looking weird. Barry Bonds, when he played for the Pirates, weighed 190 pounds. And then all of a sudden he's this huge guy hitting all these fucking home runs. Him and Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds' skull fucking look like a goddamn pumpkin, you know. Not fat. It just top of his head where you your skull is where you have no really no fat around it was just looked like a goddamn giant fucking pumpkin so anyway this movie's pretty good and i like that they address uh you know the the uh the uh way that it was going with the mass monsters i like how they addressed uh the instagram people and how they even a lot of the um the famous bodybuilders of old uh really look down on some of these people because they are 
disingenuous about the things they do. Uh, they just want to look freaky, and so they can sell their apparel and their supplements, like I said, which are like a you know snake oil salesman. And uh, they even talk to uh, and have a segment or that runs through it about uh, a, an old school female bodybuilder that where where they got to where it was so um, unpopular because the women started looking so uh, quote unquote manly and so big and they lost all their femininity and they started looking freakish I mean the guys are looking freakish well the women started looking freakish going bigger and bigger and bigger their facial features changed they started getting what they call dry which is no body fat which and then their faces started getting like uh, start like they're almost like turning into a man uh, by taking these hormones you know you hear people about people transitioning like say a, a woman says you know i i uh, you know i identify as a, as a male even though i'm a female and they start taking hormones or vice versa well when the females start taking these hormones like say chastity bono or whatever you start taking these hormones you start getting facial hair you start looking more like a man and these people were these women were taking you know massive quantities of of uh, steroids and, and growth hormone or whatever and they started looking like a man and it's and the business, the IFBB, which was Joe Weider's, uh, you know, business, uh, they stopped having, you know, basically these female bodybuilding shows. And they have about three or f- I think maybe like three different levels of female fitness. They have bikini female fitness and like uh, fitness bodybuilding or something like that. But each level... You you know the the uh, the female of course the bikini models is almost like a Hawaiian tropic kind of a thing. Uh, they are fit of course, but they're not like muscular or anything. They're sexy, you know, look like uh, you know women in sexy bikinis. Then you go up to like the fitness, which would be like uh, Trish Stratus, uh, um, uh, Tori Wilson, that kind of deal with WWF WWE. That's what they were before they got into wrestling. And then you have a level a little bit above that, which is a little bit more muscular. And I think that might be like, uh, like Dana Lynn Bailey or whatever. Um, you have people that love those guys, love those people and, and support them no matter what they say, what they do, no matter whether they're, you know, and, and their, and their whole thing is, you know, they're not hurting anybody. So who gives a shit? They can do whatever they want. But like I said, my main thing is, is, uh, and then you have a certain group of these guys that will swear up and down, guys and girls, that will swear up and down that they're all natural. And if you know anything about bodybuilding, if you know anything about steroids, if you know anything about, you know, any of that shit, they're not. And they're lying. So, you know, they're lying to sell their supplements. If they come out and say, no, I take trend test, I take all these steroids, I take all this human growth hormone, I take all this shit, that's why I look the way they look, then, then the people would be like, well, then why should I take this crap? This stuff that you're selling over the counter, it's not going to make me look like that. So, you know, they they lie. So that's the problem that I have. Anyway, that's a pretty good documentary. It's it's at least honest to a you know certain extent. Uh, let's see, Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance, 2011, uh, directed by Mark Neveldine, and uh, written by Scott M. Gimple and. Seth Hoffman, starring Nicolas Cage, Syrian Hines, and Idris Elba. I like this one. I like it almost uh, probably better than the first Ghost Rider with Nicolas Cage. I like this one more because it just goes, it goes 
fucking just off the rails. It's Nicolas Cage just letting it all hang out. Like when he fucking turns into Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider fucking is like a nut. Nicolas Cage is just, act, I mean, he's fucking hamming it up. He's eating the fucking Syrian like crazy. I like Syrian Hines. Um, he is always good in everything. Uh, pretty much everything I like. I, I like uh, seeking him out in different movies. He's never like the main guy. I would like to see him play a part, uh, be in a movie where he is like the main guy. And not necessarily like a bad guy or a good guy, but maybe just like a movie where he's just like in a, you know, like a love story or something. I don't know. Just anything, like a, just a drama, but nothing, you know, it doesn't have to be, uh, but he's he's got a good look. Idris Elba's really good in this. Uh, he drinks a lot. <laughs> he's a man of God, but he drinks a lot. Um, and what's the girl's name in this? Uh, Vellante Placido. She's very good looking. I enjoy her because she's pretty. She's so pretty. And Christopher Lambert shows up in this, uh, the, uh, the original, uh, Connor McLeod Highlander. I guess I can bring back uh, my Sean Connery accent for for Highlander. But uh, you know, um, Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance, four point three IMDb. You go fuck yourself. I thought it was better than that. I like that movie. And let's see here, what else we got here? I think we may be getting to the end of the list. And I think we are probably at the end of the list because now I have been going on for two hours and twenty seven minutes. Had a few other things just to mention, but, you know, it's just stuff that we were talking about on uh, Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. So while I'm at it, I want to give a shout-out to... What do I want to give a shout-out to? Who? Who deserves to get a shout-out? Give me this goddamn iPad, you motherfucker. (laughs) We want to, of course, like I said, we were just talking about... uh, Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, who bring uh, that class to that trash. Um, since 19... Since Dien Bien Phu. You know, they, they they were there. I think they were... At, Sammy and Will were actually at Dien Bien Phu. Oh my god, you know, let me tell you something. I just saw a picture of uh, Mike Peacock at his wedding! Oh my god, this is awesome! Holy shit! And I gotta get a, I gotta give a big, uh, a big uh, heart of love to that man. That makes me happy. That's awesome. I he he did say the other day he announced that uh, that him and his lovely bride, uh, well his girlfriend who is now who has become his lovely bride and who I met and who I really liked. I gave her my seal of approval. She's a, she's aces as far as Zom goes. Oh my God! He got all kind of pictures on here. Dig it. This is so awesome. I hate to do this on the show, but I'm gushing. It's like uh you know, that's fucking awesome. I, you know, just seeing one of our one of our pals. They've been together now for a while and and it's just, you know, Jesus H Christ. I I I'm I'm so happy for the legendary and like I said before I'm going to have to have a talk with him because I don't know how he wants to be addressed on the on the show uh, in my heart he will always be Metal Mikey and she will be Mrs. Metal okay anyway uh, and speaking of uh, Metal McKee or Mike Peacock um, you want to check out his if you are into comic books um, you want to check out uh, Justice First Dawn uh, which is his podcast about comic books um, and that's on uh, what's that on the Podbean? You can get it on iTunes and all that shite. 
Uh, let's see, what is this here? Uh, we got uh, classic icjla.podbean.com. Uh, but like I said, I think you can find that on on iTunes. I think all these you can. Uh, uh, you got uh, Terry Frost, the Frost Giant. Uh, and he is over at uh, Paleo Cinema and also the Martian Drive-In Podcast. Um, you have uh, El Goro over at uh, Talk Without Rhythm Podcast. Uh, and let's see, who else? You got Sylvan Gold. You can check them out. I've heard of them before. Um, and you have uh, Feed My Ears with uh, Morsh. Uh, Jesus H. Christ, who else is out there? I listen to lots of podcasts now, lots of wrestling podcasts, political podcasts. I found a podcast, some uh, serial killer podcast, um, one uh, where they, uh, it's only about like, it's like maybe like 10 episodes, but the whole thing is about the Boston Strangler, and I want to get into that and listen to that. Um, you know, it's hit or miss because, you know, you, you can tell right off the bat whether it's going to be something good or, or something that's kind of shitty, or maybe if it, maybe it just isn't, isn't for you as far as like the um, the hosts, how they handle it. Like I, I've had a couple of podcasts that I've, I've found on iTunes, and I thought I'm going to listen to this, and then within the first couple of minutes, the... Um, it's not done well, and uh, it's just a couple of jagoffs on their act of stupid. <laughs> oh my God! Pot calling the kettle black, yeah. Um, but um, the Boston Strangler one, and then I found uh, I, I, you know, was it? Oh, a feminine critique with Emily and uh, and that other girl. <laughs> Make peace. Check them out too. That are good show. Um, but. Um, I started the, uh, some of the TV shows I've been watching was like Preacher, uh, American Gods, uh, Mad Men, um, even uh, Legion that I watched. You know, the new seasons haven't come out yet, but I, I love the the fucking first season of that. Um, I started thinking, man, some of these shows uh, they are there are some. Um, some podcasts out there like uh where they cover the show the after show talk about it. there was one called treks and sci-fi about, and this guy has done a star trek podcast uh, he covers all of the episodes of the original series and all the other spin-offs plus he also talks about uh star wars and any science fiction movies that come out but he really does a great job i loved listening to that i need to get on there and, and find those episodes again uh that's a big favorite of mine but like i said some of the ones for like mad men preacher american gods any of these tv shows uh there's always somebody out there that is doing a podcast uh i can't recommend any of them yet because I, I downloaded them but I haven't listened to them yet. As far as the wrestling podcast go, I'm listening to um, uh, Ron Fuller uh, Studcast, the uh, Tennessee Stud Ron Fuller. Uh, my god he's like four generations of uh, wrestling uh, his family goes all the way back to the goddamn like 30s in wrestling. Uh, he has some great stories. Some of them that are kind of like, oh my god, you know, uh, about uh, the politics and the dirty deals and stuff like that that have happened. Uh, Jerry Lawler's podcast, JJ Dillon's podcast, I really like it. Uh, MSL and Sullivan, which is uh, MSL, Mr. Saint Laurent and. Uh, uh, Kevin Sullivan have a good podcast. I'm trying to think, of Austin Idol has a really good podcast. Uh, Jim Cornette has two different ones. He has the uh, drive-through and then his regular one. And uh, it, it, I will say this: if you are okay, a lot of wrestling fans know Jim Cornette and love Jim Cornette, but specifically on his regular podcast, um, if you are a right winger. A teabagger, a trumper, 
or anything like that, you will probably get... He pissed off a lot of people. Uh, probably half of the people or more that like wrestling. Uh, because Jim is... Uh, a progressive he's a liberal he's a progressive and he doesn't let anything he doesn't hold anything back and it is fucking funny uh my political podcast i listen to the best of the left uh i listen to uh majority report with sam cedar ring of fire um ralph nader radio hour um what else david packman show young turks i've kind of got away from that i listened to them for a while but uh number one there's just so much stuff out there and, and number two i just getting burnt out on all this stuff i mean jesus christ uh you know everything's so polar polarized uh, i don't know what we're going to do about it because we have uh these jagoffs uh pushing all the buttons and uh being you know using uh, all these divisive things as far as race goes as far as you know putting it's so obvious you know putting up the other for everybody to try and get everybody to hate whether it's immigrants refugees um you know african-americans whoever you know um um the whole thing about the the flag and uh you know, uh, they're, they're guys trying to do a silent protest as far as police brutality and shooting of unarmed uh, black men, and then the the cops don't get you know, never uh, get any kind of time or anything like that, or found guilty. And then these jack offs are turning it around, uh, trying to turn it into some kind of a, a, a nationalistic thing. You know, if you don't salute the flag or if you don't stand, you know, the whole kneeling thing. To me, you know, uh, like I said. It's it's uh, we have freedom in this country, so you're free to do it or free not to do it. They actually did a uh, like a skit of this in the original movie, uh, in the original Billy Jack, I think uh, Howard Hessman, uh, who played Doctor Johnny Fever in WKRP, was actually in that skit that the uh, kids at the uh, Freedom School and Billy Jack were doing, where they're at some baseball game or something in the the skit. They're they're doing like a a um, I don't know, like sort of like a little play little skit and uh everybody stands and puts their hand on their heart for the national anthem but the one guy sits and they're like come on get up man you know come on come on man get up and then uh, it just escalates to where they're beating the shit out of him uh and right at the time where they say you know after they beat him almost to death uh they're saying the land of the free and the home of the brave so you know punching it on free um you kneel when you pray, and they're all big on God and praying, and that's not a put down of uh, God to to kneel, you know. Um, but like I said, I think we have freedom in this country. You can do whatever the fuck you want, and I think these fascist assholes that are trying to say you're disrespecting the flag and all this and that—they don't want you to protest uh, in any way. They just want you to follow blindly, salute the flag, nationalism, jingoism. Uh, and, you know, I'm not down with any of that shit. Everybody knows that that listens to me talk. Uh, the whole Las Vegas thing with that gunman up there, you know, guns don't kill people, people kill people. Well, people with guns that have high-capacity uh, ammo uh, uh, magazines and also high-velocity rounds, uh, you know, pe- guns don't kill people, people kill people. Well, people with those kind of guns can kill lots of people. They can kill them in great, big, huge bunches. Um my solution, <laughs> number one, I think we need to have um, reasonable gun control. 
I don't think there's any reason for any jagoff to be walking down the street with a fucking AK-47 across their back. You know, oh, it's our constitutional right. No, your constitutional right to have a firearm for a well-regulated militia is what it says in the fucking Constitution. Uh, If you want to get down to it, I have guns, you know. I have concealed a carry permit. I can carry a gun wherever I want, except like fucking post officer on an airplane. Um, but I don't see any reason for any gun that I have to be over, say, six shots. Uh, you know, hell, my dad hunted, you know, squirrels, rabbits, grouse, pheasants, whatever you want to call them, uh, for years with a single shot shotgun. You know, so if you want to hunt, uh, if you want to target shoot, you know. What do they say with us uh, uh, snipers? Tom Berenger in the movie Sniper, one shot, one kill. Become proficient, one shot. You know, the only reason you need a thirty-shot magazine or one of those goddamn drums that's got a hundred rounds in it. Uh, you know, they talked about that guy fucking uh, having that bump stock that uh, basically turns a semi-automatic weapon into a um, fully, pretty much fully automatic weapon. Uh, you know, when you're in the military, so listen, in the U.S. military, you're you're basically told to not shoot on fully automatic. You shoot, uh, you know, semi-automatic, maybe three-round burst or whatever. Uh, it's more effective. Uh, you can, you know, be more accurate. Now, of course, when you have a massive crowd like what they had there or anywhere, I'm sure if I was in Dien Bien Phu and the whole bunch of guys were coming straight at me in a great big bunch or in the chosen res- reservoir in uh, Korea... Yeah, you put it on fully automatic and you just fucking let it rip because no matter where you shoot, you're hitting somebody. Um, sensible gun control, you know. The NRA is uh, is a lobbyist for gun manufacturers and ammo uh, manufacturers, so it's all about money. They don't want to make. They do the slippery slope thing. Well, if you make these kind of guns illegal, then what's next? What's next? What's next? Eventually, you're going to take all the guns. Nobody's saying that. There's. It doesn't have to be a slippery slope. It's uh, using your brain. Sensible gun control. Background checks. If you've had um, uh, domestic violence, uh, DUIs, stuff like that. Um, a history. If you've have any kind of. Uh, felony record for violence uh, you know you shouldn't have a gun if you have been uh, you know locked up uh, say for mental illness uh, to where you have had violent episodes or harm, har, uh, episodes where you're going to harm yourself or you have been institutionalized or something like that I don't think you should be carrying a gun and like I said uh, the capacity uh, you can say well you know even if you do this somebody's still going to be able to get a gun yeah it, there's no law that stops any act 100%. So that's another stupid argument. Um, There's always going to be somebody that's going to be able to get a hold of a gun. There's always going to be somebody that's going to be able to do something possibly like what that guy did. But if you can make it harder for people to do that, then I think it's worth doing. Um, Anyway, getting off my soapbox, that was a pretty horrible incident. Uh, You know, I sat through that all night uh, when it happened and, uh, you know, it's getting commonplace. It's sickening, and the most sickening thing is is that um, nobody's going to do anything about it. Uh, you can look at other countries that have done stuff about that kind of thing, and it's effective. And they don't have the gun violence. They don't have the mass shootings. They don't have the jagoffs that uh, want to go out in a blaze of glory or whatever, um, like we do. Well, you know, they can go get a gun, or they can go get an axe, or they can go get a knife, but they can do way less damage. And like I said, if you uh, limit the uh, capacity of the uh, magazines, 
the clips, the magazines, uh, down to, uh, you know, a handful, say, you know, uh, old six shooter in the old West was six shots. So every time you have to, you know, some jack off like that, you know, he might kill six people with six shots, but he's got to stop and reload, which is going to give a chance for somebody to come along and fucking beat the living shit out of him or shoot him or whatever, or, or for people to get away, you know, more people to get away. So, uh, you know, with that high capacity shit where they can just bam, 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 even if it was semi-auto and they could just, you know, every time they pull the trigger, shoot 30 fucking times or even with those drums, you know, what, 100 times or whatever, however many it is, uh, you know, you can reduce it, uh, but you can't reduce it if you have these motherfuckers. And they said, like, uh, if they pull people, 90% of American citizens are for some kind of reasonable uh, gun control. And they don't give a fuck because um, I also saw uh, something where they said uh, what the actual citizens want doesn't mean anything. They could uh, have a vote and say, uh, you know, who wants this guy to be president? (laughs) And more people, you know, three million more people say, I want this woman, and still the guy wins. Another thing that was brought up uh, is if that electoral college is so great, why don't we have it for every fucking election? Why do we only have it for president? Why don't we have it for senators? Why don't we have it for, for all this shit? You have the Electoral College just for that. It should be one person, one vote, and they should count all the votes and whoever fucking has the most votes. If I say, in my office, who wants to get pizza? Raise your hands and say there's ten people. Seven of the people say they want pizza. And I say, who wants to get McDonald's? And three people say they want McDonald's. The way the Electoral College works is if those three people sit in a certain part of the room, we're going to get McDonald's, even though seven people in another part of the room want pizza. It doesn't make sense. It should be majority rules, and that's not what it is, and I'm going to get off my soapbox. I was meaning to end this a few minutes ago, but I started thinking about that uh, the uh, Vegas shooting thing, and I thought it was worth addressing. That's just my opinion. Um, And again... I thank everybody for sticking with us. You know, it's nice to hear people on the group or even, you know, people calling me or emailing me and stuff and saying that they still listen to the show and they still want, you know, us to keep doing it. Still want Loaf to come back and get back on Hoss, maybe, or on the mule near. (laughs) We'll get the Loaf back into action here shortly because I miss my buddy. And we got the chemistry. We're like uh, Dusty Rhodes and uh, Chief Wahoo McDaniel. <laughs> Taking on the dirty, dastardly Anderson brother, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. And uh, love all the guys. Um, Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. All the guys in our group. Uh, like I said, I talked to Tim the other day. He has made some uh, journeys to Australia to uh, actually hook up with and meet... Uh, the Magnificent Morris and uh, meet uh, the Frost Giant and, um, you know, and also came, you know, come back home to Canada for a couple times and hooked up with some of the lads up there um, and had a great time and, uh, you know, all the guys, you know, that are on our group that uh, contribute uh, every goddamn day. Uh, Appreciate all of them. And actually uh, got to talk to Bad James. Haven't uh, talked to him in quite a while and uh, was checking up on him, making sure everything was okay. He is making some 
awesome music, making some awesome guitars, uh, doing this method. Uh, they, the, when I saw people doing it, it's called the Borax Swirl, where you, uh, you know, don't want to go through it. If you want to go to uh, his um, YouTube page, uh, just look up um, Jane. Well, I don't want to say his name on the fucking air. I'll po- I, I posted it on the group, so you can find his YouTube page where it shows how he's making these really cool guitars. You can see his uh, studio that he built, uh, the Doctor Who studio, which is cool, the TARDIS. Um, and he is, uh, I believe, I didn't get a chance to ask him, I think that he uh, either started a new group. He had his one group, which I think was Art of War. And then now I see him putting stuff up there for a group called C4. So I'm not really sure. I needed to ask him about that. But we were just talking about guitars mostly and him getting to meet Steve Vai and have him, uh, you know, actually uh, check out this guitar that he made and get, and play it. And Steve Vai is like one of his her- guitar heroes and guitar hero. But uh, Bad James has always been a, uh, a sturdy minor for the silver and gold. Uh, and like I said, we get Loaf back in action, and uh, we'll be uh, hitting some of that feedback. God damn it, I ask people to ask fucking questions, and I just <laughs> remembered <laughs> like a dickhead. Okay, let me get on here and see if we uh, how many questions we got. It probably wasn't too many because we I uh, I ask at the last minute. But if there is, I'm gonna you know since I asked somebody, there's seven things on here. Okay, this is from Christopher. Uh, hi Zom, what did you think of the new Twin Peaks? If you have seen any, uh, I did not watch any of the new Twin Peaks yet. I'll probably wait and get it on iTunes. Uh, again, I watched the um, the original and it started petering out for me, so I kind of uh, kind of lost interest. I still have. I haven't finished it. I I just kind of when they revealed who the killer was after that i kind of started losing interest in it uh again i did see fire walk with me so i need to check that one out i've heard good things uh your thought this is from jeff uh your thoughts on hail mafia with uh henry silva and uh jack klugman i really like this one this one was on uh it's on youtube for free and uh i liked that okay again this is one of those ones that i thought it was going to be a straight up uh just you know by the book uh, hitman kind of mafia hitman movie and it has a different twist which i really liked um i don't want to give away what the twist is but uh it's something a little bit more than that and uh, and i really liked it like i said i think that one's on youtube uh for free black and white and i i really enjoyed jack klugman i watched him for you know quite a few years on odd couple and then on quincy and i think he's pretty good He's re- he's good in this one too. I'd like to have seen him in more stuff like that. Uh, this is from Stephen. Uh, I've seen uh, Dark of the Sun and Wild Geese. What are some other mercenary films I should check out? Uh, again, oh my God, let's see. We had the uh, Seven Red Berets, which is a uh, kind of an Italian, uh, low budget Italian movie we reviewed on the show. Uh, the movie Ronan with uh, with uh, Jean Reno and Robert De Niro is a Merc movie. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Um, well, that um, the siege at uh, Joe Dotville, uh, which was I think made for Netflix. Um, it kind of has the opposite view because you have the um, I those guys were like Belgian soldiers. I think I can't remember. No, they were no 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 no. They were Irish soldiers and the the mercenaries are the ones that are attacking them so that's a really good one 
Um, of course, Dogs of War with Christopher Walken and Tom Berenger is an excellent one. Um, when you talk about, you know, like I said, mercenaries, just any any movie now where you know these guys are are combat veterans, but they're they're hired soldiers. I mean, you can go to, uh, you know, my God, Magnificent Seven with Yul Brynner and Steve McQueen. I mean, those guys were were hired guns that were hired. Uh, if you want to go about all the way back to the old west, and you know, if you want to go all the way back to uh, you know, uh, the days of the samurai with, uh, you know, uh, seven samurai and movies like that. Um, let's see here. So, you know, there's some good ones. I'm going off the top of my head here, people. And, uh, because, you know, like I said, I so stupid. I asked for people to ask questions and I almost forgot. Uh, this is from Rolf, who is one of our, uh, diehard. He would be in the mines. What would Rolf be? He would be like the guy that would, uh, fill the cart up full of uh, more coal or gold than anybody. Uh, I sent you some questions quite a while ago via via mail. Feel free to answer them. Well, I think I have the email address, Rolf, but I swear right now I don't know if I have the fucking password. So that's another loaf uh, thing. I will, I will hunt down the... Um, I will hunt down the password, get in there, and find some of your questions, motherfucker. (laughs) This is from Matt. Uh, Remember on past shows that you're not a big horror movie fan, but is there anything you rewatch for Halloween? Any traditions? Jesus, you know, seriously? No, there isn't. Um... I watch I watch The Exorcist because I like The Exorcist and I'll watch it anytime. I don't really have any horror movies that like I'm and that's like when somebody was saying about uh Silva and Gold in the month of October, they said, Well why don't you do like uh some kung fu movies or something like that? There's so many people that do the um that do the thirty thirty day, thirty one days of horror in fucking October. Um and I'm not like the horror but like I said, I watch Kronos uh, uh, the Guillermo del Toro uh, movie. Uh, so maybe I will try and find some some other stuff like that that uh, you know to to check out. Uh, I have a certain like I said I have a certain kind of horror movie that I like. Uh, I'm not into the uh, you know the mad slasher you know or the rapey uh, <laughs> shit uh, or you know I, I don't know. Um, I would say I'm I like you know like Hammer. And the uh, and um, stuff like that more as far as the old stuff, um, the Universal, you know, well, you know, like Frankenstein and all that shit. Um, but I did like, like I said, I did like that Chronos. I'd like to maybe see some more stuff like that. I want to watch that. Uh, oh goddamn! What's the Captain? Uh, oh, shit, the Vampire Slayer guy. Is that Captain Chronos? I, I I haven't seen that one. I did like the Roman Polanski one about the uh, fantastic or fabulous vampire slayers or what. I can't remember the name of that one. I saw that one on the on WBNS. But like I said, there's none of them that I sit here and I think, oh my god, it's October. I want to watch a fucking bunch of horror movies. Um, let's see. And and again, you know, if everybody else is doing it, it's kind of loses something so i'd rather talk about uh milfs and uh and uh fisting and uh you know marilyn chambers and maybe i'll watch rabid with marilyn chambers so i can talk about her hot little body and her uh doing the uh uh being on the the uh what the cover of the uh ivory snow toilet paper or whatever it was uh let's see 
Corey says he's drawing a blank, but he loves us. So that's cool. We love Corey. Feldman and um, Haim. Yeah, I think I liked. I think I liked out of Corey Feldman or Corey Haim. Maybe I like Feldman better. Uh, I liked him in Stand by Me, and I liked uh, and I liked his uh, when he came back here recently and was dancing and singing and had like the. It was almost like a Robert Palmer mixed with Michael Jackson moves. Uh, that was fucking awesome. <laughs> but thanks, Corey. We love all you guys. And uh, again, Rolf, I will... I got the password here somewhere, but my God, this show is almost three hours long now, and I didn't have anything to fucking talk about. It's two hours and 53 fucking minutes. Two hours and 54, I'm sorry. So I'm going to sign off because I'm going to get off here and go poop, and then I got to work tonight, and it's fucking noon, so I got to take some drugs so I can go to sleep. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for listening to the show. We appreciate it. I'm going to beat Loaf into submission, and I am going to force him to speak and get on the show in the future, and we will we'll be back. Uh, you know, he's on hiatus, but he is still my number one producer, uh, my number one mixer, and my, my A1 number one tag team partner buddy, my uh, Loafy Loaf. This is Dr. Zom calling from the uh, outer limits of uh, Poopville and uh, the baby spinach is working its magic I need to uh, what do you call it I don't know I wanted to talk about some comic books too I guess I did get some comic talk in there I like to talk about comics I don't know if any of you guys give a shit but you know it's free so you get what you pay for right Samut. Dig it.